0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode seventy of Motorsport One Hundred and One. How on earth are we in episode um, seventy? This, alri- this is already quite insane, but um, <coughs> yeah, this is episode seventy of Motorsport One Hundred and One. I am your friendly neighbour, host Mister Andre Harrison, and welcome to. Sadly, it was going to be the last episode of the series, unfortunately. This is kind of like our season finale, so to speak. Um, we're taking a little break for the holidays. I'll talk more about that in a little bit towards the end of the show. But um, we wanted to set the tone from now so, you know, we, we, can, we can get over this and, and make the laughs that much greater towards the end when we hand out our awards. But um, this is our last show, at least... For now, we have a whole heap of off-season plans between now and late March when the season kicks off. So don't worry... We're not going anywhere for the next three months. Like, we're not resting up so Johnson can actually make some more classic race club videos because he does that a lot. Spoilers! (laughs) I'm totally not doing that anyway. Oh, oh, yeah, (laughs) mister, I've already spoilt it on Instagram. (laughs) A a tiny bit, yeah. Yeah, Yes. See, anyone with (laughs) half a brain cell, Johnson, can work this out, yeah? This is, like, you're fooling no one here, genius. Half Uh, a brain
1: cell? You're giving yourself too much credit.
0: (laughs) clearly but uh,
1: introduce yourself for the public again It's it's Mr Adam Johnson hello sir Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, I've, I've spent the last about hour or so running through uh, the first ever Motorsport 101 Awards. Yes. And we have some great categories. We have, uh, we've got, you know, the usual stuff, the usual boring stuff like bet Racer of the Year, Racer of the Year, Most Improved, all the, all the good stuff. Then we've got the Scotty Award for Best Dive Bomb. Yes. We have got the Floppy Award for Biggest Disappointment. <laughs> we have got the Thanks for Trying Award, otherwise known as the Participation Trophy. And we have got the prestigious Golden Cock. Seeing as Top Gear doesn't have it, <laughs> Anymore, we decided to repurpose it and bring it back. Yeah, so, we, look forward to we, that later in the show. We bought out the sponsorship rights for
0: it. Unfortunately, we had to sell Nico <coughs> Rosberg's contract to be able to afford it. Um, we, <laughs> we apologize. Unfortunately, BBC copyrights don't come cheap. Speaking of which, Ryan King, hello, sir.
2: Yep, yep. My body has decided to give up on life and I'm under the weather as. I don't know. My body's well, like, man, hey, Nico Rosberg's no longer at Mercedes, so you can become hey man, sick. You've now. had the hat trick for
1: your boys this year. You've yep. had Binder, Pagano, and Rosberg. Like, I'm surprised you're not just like, hey, and it's Roy King. Hello, sir. But uh, he's totally not reveling uh, in his own greatness right now, but uh, like or hung over in his own like, greatness.
0: In other words, like King right now is going through what like if there's any female listeners to this show, <sighs> have ever heard those stereotypes about guys exaggerating illnesses? Yeah, this is kind of justified because... Oh, the man flu. Yeah, yeah, it was like, King basically has man flu, or, or, or as we like to call it in general terms, a cold. Uh, <laughs> and yet here he is still soldiering on Among Us. Um, he's a very brave man, and I'm sure we, we will soldier maybe over Maybe he should get a thanks
1: for trying award.
0: Yeah, maybe he should. We'll, we'll, we'll throw that into the nomination <laughs> list at the end of the show. <laughs> But um, yeah, uh, let's let's get let's get down to business. Let, before we really get started, um, this is where you can find us. As usual, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport One Hundred One. I've dusted off my own video camera relentlessly over the last week, basically putting the entire channel on my back. Uh, so um, trying to find something to pass the time while sorting some of our video stuff out. But thanks everybody for watching. We're right on the brink of one hundred thousand views. But um, it's one of those things where. Again, many, many thanks towards you guys that have been watching and backing and supporting and the feedback. It's been it's been really great lately. Um, we're on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com as my phone goes on the background, that's not great. Uh, very professional, as always. Silent. Oof. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're on Facebook.com forward slash motorsport one oh one. You can check us out there. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore one oh one. The non underscore option is still unavailable. Damn it! Um, also, our personal Twitters are at Harrison One Hundred One HD, at Ag Underscore Bomber Sports, and at Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks. And if you really, really like us, um, you can back us on Patreon. There's some cool gigs on there, some little extra benefits and extra perks, and you can check all that good stuff out there as well. And um, oh yeah, we're also on Drive Tribes too. I'm, I'm, I'm managing that. We're on Drive Tribes if you're into you know and Hammonds, and May's new. And extended Fort penis of a social media site we're on there as well just search for motorsport 101 and i'm sure you'll find it on there now in again as we mentioned this is our last show of the series so we thought let's do what everybody does at the end of the season review the formula one season because we're totally original on this show um in the meantime we'll also do a little keeping it 101 but not really a keeping it 101 you'll see why in a couple of minutes and we'll be handing out the first ever Motorsport 101 Awards. I'm very disappointed that we didn't name it the Harry Awards again like my old days. I'm very disappointed. I blame Johnson there's for there's
2: more people here than just you, Dre. Shut up. This is my show. <laughs> I was going to say, this is go- this is going too much
0: back in time even for me. <laughs> Back in the old Harrison One Hundred One YouTube days, it was a better time. Mm. Uh, no, it really wasn't.
1: But um, <laughs> I was going to say, uh,
0: it really wasn't. But uh, let's get on with the show and let's talk about the state of junior racing. This is the thing, like, we're not really doing any keeping it one on one this week. Honestly, I don't want to talk about last week's episode of the Grand Tour one because I was the only one of the three who saw it, <laughs> which kind of helps in this case doesn't help and the <laughs> second problem is because it was an awful episode at least in my opinion i talked about it on twitch so i streamed last verse if you really want to see what i thought of episode four of the grand tour and my thoughts of the show in general um go on my twitch page twitch.tv forward slash harrison 101 i think it's in the first 20 30 minutes of that stream i talked quite a was lot that the about same the same episode
1: where you did uh, you did a throwback to your old f1 state of the community videos
0: Um, kind of like, look, like me Twitch streaming is basically me just speaking whatever the hell's on my mind for about two to three hours at a time. So Harrison uncut, like, aren't I always uncut? (laughs) Like, when am I restrained? (laughs) Well, true. You make your own jokes there. But uh, I mean, this is an interesting topic that's kind of come up lately, and it's something that I felt like we wanted to talk about. And shout out to loyal backup R.J. O'Connell for bringing this up on Slack. And uh, we've had a couple of stories drop regarding the junior scene in single-seater racing right now that has prompted this conversation, basically, because, I mean, the two biggest ones I've seen, Uh, regarding this is one Rafael Marcello who was fourth in GP2 this past season has admitted he's given up on trying to get into Formula 1 um Saying essentially that um, the money demands were "quote unquote" stupid, um, and I'm sure we've heard that one many a time before when it comes to the state of Formula One and getting into the mm. sport. Um, the, the money problems we talked
1: about at So yeah, the guy we talked about it particularly when Lance Stroll joined. I mean, like it was like mm. we knew you needed money to get into F1. Now we know just how much.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: We, we, we're talking millions, like tens of millions of, of, of pounds here of investment
0: to even think about it. And Marchetto has given up on that dream. And we've, like,. Like, okay, Pierre Gasly has won the GP2 title, and it's looking like he's going to be heading off to Japan to take part in Super Formula for a year. Now, if this sounds familiar to you, um, as I do my best RJ impression here, only not talking about Japanese stuff. Um, he's going over there to take part in Super Formula, as did Stoffel Van Dorn last year. Um basically is this something to fill the gap between him and the McLaren seat opening up with Button retiring. So it looks like Gasly could be doing the same here this year, and um everybody's kind of like new favorite junior driver, Antonio G. His F one future could be hanging by a thread until the news came out yesterday that it seems like mana has been taken over again, King. Is that the is that the gist of what I'm getting here?
2: Yes. Kind of, Southeast uh, Asia meaning yeah. that Apparently, the lineup next year might be Antio- <laughs> Antonio Giovinazzi and Rio Harianzo.
0: What do you mean Harianzo's back? I thought he ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The return of Harry Anto, because we needed someone to take on the Maldonado role of rich boy to get kicked out of.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, why do you think Marcus Erickson is still here? Um, but... I thought that was just for Katie
1: McConaughey's benefit, to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> Don't go there. She almost killed me off the episode 27. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's... It... Is like the state of junior racing has prompted a lot of conversation recently because it's just the, the landscape is seemingly so bleak. I mean it it's it's a it's a very debatable point here, but I think there's a valid argument you could make that it's not a good look for GP two that its last two champions have had to take another side step into super formula over in Japan rather than going straight into formula one, which is what should be the point of GP two as a series itself. And of course their infamous champions rule, where if you win the title, you are not allowed to participate the following season. And,
1: I mean, now, can I just ask you? I just wanted to clarify this point with you. You know this better than I do. Is there a similar rule in MotoGP or is it based on age over there? No, in MotoGP, it's based on age. So, See, that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, like, I think it's, what is it, 25, 26 for Moto3? In Moto3, the age limit is, is that... You are
0: not allowed to take part in Moto 3 once you turn 29. Um, oh, okay. So if you're 28, you are allowed to ta- if you if you're if the season starts before your 28th 29th birthday, you're allowed to participate. If you're oh, okay. if the season starts after you've turned 29, you're not allowed to take part. Not um, in no. that. So okay. There's an age limit in Moto there There is an age limit in Moto Two, but it doesn't really apply because it's 50. Um. So hence why we, got, why we had the famous Jeremy McWilliams come back last year at Silverstone in a custom-made Moto. 2 bike because he was actually literally age 50, which was quite a nice touch. Um, but, um, yeah, Moto 2 and Moto 3 have age limits for what it's worth. I mean, no one's competitive, going to be riding at
1: age 50 anyway,
0: but in Moto 3, their junior class, to try and encourage, um, young people def- not to
1: just make a full-time career in Moto 3. Exactly.
0: They they're gonna try and move them on but it's just ha- it happened it happened to Alexis Mazbu last year and Efren Vasquez who were both twenty-eight and twenty-nine respectively and who had to basically leave the class <laughs> on either basically move up or or find another place to go essentially. Um until further notice so, so I mean at Vasquez was briefly in Moto 2 this past season but was cut after about four or five rounds because he wasn't good enough. Um so it happens. I mean in Moto in Moto 3 and 2 they go by age. In this case it's it's more like a champions rule, and to be fair, most guys aren't in GP two for much past four seasons anyway. Like mm. if, if a guy goes past four seasons in GP two, there's probably some sort of problem. Um Johnny Chicotto, I'm looking at you. Um but, but I mean like I wrote a piece about this called A Fighting Chance Junior today. Um, it's it's up on motorsport101.net, our website. And it it just pointed out like the last week or so, King, it's just not been a particularly nice time for Junior single seat in me when not only is like the stories regarding some of its brightest talents more on the negative side of things, but also their own champion's not going to get an F1 scene is going to go off to Japan
2: next year. <laughs> yeah. The champion's going to Japan again. Uh, right now, it seems like, at most, GP2 is only going to have a single graduate to the top, to the top class. Maybe. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, we might get... G- I mean, that's far from confirmed right now. But they're saying... And I think, off the top of my head... Like if there's no graduates, this would be the first time in the 12 years of GP2 that they hadn't had a single graduate to Formula 1? That, that would be ridiculous, my god. And
0: It's amazing, because I remember we knew we watched this race together, King, we talked about GP2 in Germany, and at the time there was six men in contention for the championship after the end of that sprint race where it was, Gasly was in the championship hunt, as was Sergei Soroky and Antonio Giovinazzi, Oliver Rowland, who had just won the Formula Renault 3.5 title. Rafael Marcello, who's been in and around the F1 paddock for some time anyway with Sauber and whatnot. And even Norman Nato still had an outside chance as well at that point in time. This was one of the most stacked GP2 seasons I can remember, if not the most stacked. Without question, it comes to just it comes to just sheer raw talent. And... We have to kind of admit here the game may be rigged a little bit here against these dudes if we have four, five, maybe even six potentially great F1 drivers on the junior scenes and no one's getting in. I mean, King, the argument I made in my post was that it seems that we're going about approaching young drivers differently in F1. It seems like it's more a case of get a guy so that nobody else can have him more than let's hire this guy because he's really good because
1: there's less rookies debuting than ever before at least from my perspective can I just jump yeah. in, can I just jump in before you m- <clears throat> make your point King the way you've just phrased it there Drake kind of reminds me a lot of discussions we've had in the past few years in the Premier League with regards to young English uh, international players Absolutely. Uh, you know they're talking about a lot of these players go to the big clubs and kick their heels on the bench for half a season then we wonder why these guys don't get opportunities it's because hey you know it's hard to hard to turn down a seat at the top table if it gets there mm. but you know, it, it's like, would you rather be a small fish in a big pond or vice versa? But yeah. you can't physically stay in the small pond that long. So yeah. what do you do? You're just left in limbo. There's a big sort of yawning chasm between F1 and GP2, which is supposed to be the main feeder series. And yet it's worrying that. Is it Euro F3 now that's produced most of the graduates like Verstappen, Stroll,
2: Esteban um, Ocon? Ocon, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and gone. That's the thing. Uh, usually with most like driver academies they sign guys when they're about 16 so they're not in gp2 yet so by the time you know drivers get to gp2 they're either in an academy or like not even being sought out to be in an academy
1: hmm and you made a great point in your post as well dre in that max verstappen could now be uh causing Unfair expectations for young drivers coming up in F1 now. This guy's mm. a game changer almost so much that people are expecting new young drivers to be the great Max Verstappen. Are we going to get into a serious scenario when drivers are going to be considered past it for F1 if they've not made it age 20? That could be a problem. I mean, Jolyan you know Palmer. I mean? You know,
0: Julian Palmer made his debut at 24, and that actually Ancient. now, yeah, that <laughs> In like, by, yeah, by F1 terms, that's actually kind of old now. And like we talked about, there's like a MotoGP on Bike Live. We talked about this where Johan Zarco is going to be making his MotoGP debut next year at yeah. age 26. And like that's actually pretty darn old for a MotoGP rider to be debuting these days because we've been so spoilt in recent times with Marquez debuting at twenty, Maverick Vinales debuting at twenty, Rins is going to make his debut next year for Suzuki at twenty one. That like it's becoming the new trend where the top tier alien level prospects are getting into MotoGP at twenty, twenty one, twenty two. And the point I made in the post was was quote unquote, it's only going to get worse with Max Verstappen becoming F one new poster boy that is now the standard that other factories are going to impossibly chase amazing drivers able to captivate and build brands and a potential 15 plus year career because he debuted so young how many guys have have fit that mold in the last 30 years schumacher vettel hamilton nando maybe jensen button for longevity's sake the demand required is unrealistically high and that's the point I made in the post um, in in the sense of it, it seems that Verstappen has called forth, like Verstappen is such a landmark moment for Formula 1 because one, he debuted in a car when he was 16 to begin with and that will probably now never happen again because of the new super license regulations where you have to be 18 to debut now so Verstappen's record of youngest driver to make a debut will now probably never be broken um, on top of that Verstappen is also really fucking good, on top of that And he's still only 19 years old. Like he could be a Red Bull brand ambassador for the next 15 years. How many drivers can we really say that about in this era? And like guys like Jolian Palmer, who was very good in GP2 for some time and stuff, even Stoffel Van Dorn, who everybody seems to love and appreciate as a driver. He's 25 next year. Like, Stoffel is actually making quite a late debut for a guy of his age. 25 is now becoming pretty late for an F1 debut now, mostly because he had to spend four years trying to get his McLaren seat in.
1: Didn't Jaime Al retire this year or last year, age 25?
0: He retired
1: last year from motorsport in general at 24. So he'd been chewed up and spat out by the F1 feeder system and retired from motorsport. Younger than Van Dorn is actually going to get his debut. Exactly, like
0: Jody and Palmer debuted at 24, and that was considered old. Verstappen debuted at 19. Stroll's going to debut at, uh, what 18 next year, King? I think. He's 18 to the Yeah, Stroll's 18. Stroll's 18. So, like, the trend is getting younger and younger. Am are going to put more and more pressure on these young guys? All of a sudden, some really solid drivers that did their dues in GP2, like Jolian Palmer, like Felipe Naza, like Stoffel Van Dorn to an extent as well, who won the title in his second attempt. Like... They're going to be Hasbros. They're going to be looking for the guys like 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 Lance Stroll that have money and um, have money and are really really young because you can maximise your longevity. Like if you're a team boss right now, you're going to look at Stoffel and think, hmm, he's good, but he's already five years into his career. That's five years I can have him. Like that for me, that is alarming and on top of that I mean King you made this point on Slack the other day that it seems that the factories uh, the factory teams are going to have more power than ever over things like this
2: yeah because they have the most money to essentially give to to continue drivers careers up the ladder where essentially the top prospects get battled over by the by the academies where Max Verstappen had offers lined up heading into his first driving season where he was basically in a situation where both mercedes and red bull wanted him and basically got the best deal for himself mm. and we end up with most drivers not even getting a single offer at an academy and have to look for you know sponsorship to get through
0: indeed and that's what it's going to be like now anyone that comes up decently from the system over there or or has a decent junior career by the time they're 18 19 maybe even younger in the case of verstappen it could be a situation where the the factories of Merckx, Ferrari, Red Bull, McLaren, even Renault, who still have Roland and Sorokin under their under their lock and key, basically. It, it's a situation where they could just cherry pick the best talent, the ones that they want to have represent them, and everybody else has to fight for the scraps. It's it reminds me a lot of I mean Johnson mentioned football for a minute. It reminds me a lot of when Manchester City signed Samir Nasri as their playmaker when they already had David Silver underneath their wing. It's like they essentially bought Nasri so that Manchester United, who also wanted Nasri, couldn't get him. It was a vanity purchase, essentially, to stop another team from playing him because they don't want to use a player of his quality against him. And Nasri's Man City career never really took off. It's kind of happening again now because they just signed Kevin De Bruyne last year for, 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 you know, for you football fans out there. But it's it's alarming and it and it gets even worse, King, when you consider the fact that like people like Stefano Domenicali and Gerhard Berger did have a legitimate plan to try and fix this.
2: <laughs> yeah, they had a I mean they had a plan and it it still could happen, but it's very Slow moving. Incredibly, if it does happen, it's yeah, it's gonna be years where they wanted to have a essentially a cost cap system where it could be affordable. Where you would still have to look for sponsorship, but it wouldn't be you know tremendously out of control like you see in GP two. Like uh, what they wanted to do was have a singular pathway to Formula One, where you have the national Formula Three championships, you have regional. I mean, national Formula Four championships, regional Formula Three championships, Formula Two and Formula One. Yeah. F4 has been really successful. Formula Three, though, it hasn't lived up to their expectations where Europe has been far and beyond what they hoped it could have been while they wanted to create a... And America's Formula 3 championship and an Asia-Pacific Formula 3 championship and both of those plans have kind of fallen apart while Formula 2, it's still on the debating table because they want, they essentially want to take over GP2 and Formula 1, Formula 1 management, they own the commercial rights to GP2, so Formula 1 management, they run GP2 themselves. Essentially, yeah, and like The
0: uniform system, w- w- like it looks like a great idea on paper They we're going to restructure the Super License, make sure so the top three in Formula 2 would automatically be Super License eligible by getting the 40 points required. And there would be a ladder system through Formula 4, 3, 2, and then F1. And because it would be harder to get a Super License this way, teams would almost have to be forced to pick m- more based on talent as opposed to marketing money. It would certainly cut you know cut some of the crap out of that system for sure and I, I liked where it was going the problem was is that it's it's still such a slow-moving cog in this case where you know they're gonna have regional series that haven't really taken off and formula four has been great but formula three has got a bad taste in the mouth to some of its more viral incidents and crashes and whatnot but hey it's had free graduates come out of it so good for them um and now GP2 is almost seemingly getting bypassed and lost in the shuffle in all this. And that's not a good look for it for for the FOM as well because what their main feeder series right now is being overlooked for other series where the three most relevant names, you know, t- to enter Formula 1 in the last two or three years have come out of that side with Esteban Ocon winning the European Formula 3. Verstappen, I think, was, was second or third that year, that same year that Ocon was there. And now Lance Stroll is the reigning champion going into... Williams F one team, so it's it's not a bright situation right now. And I mean King, is that the is like is, is, the, is the is Stefano Domenicali's plan, is that the way to go? Do you have any other ideas on this
2: one? Uh, like I would say that is really the way to go because you have to somehow curb the ability of teams to just, you know, shoot people up straight from the bottom with, like, there are rumors that, uh, that Mercedes are trying to sign Mick Schumacher to a junior contract and he's still in Formula 4. It begins again.
0: <laughs> they want to tie that dude down. I mean, it's, it's the frigging Schumacher name. That's value
1: in itself. Um, it almost doesn't matter how good he turns out. I think we're, we're fairly confident that he will turn out pretty decent, but mm-hmm. who knows? Indeed, and in, in the
0: branding power of having a Schumacher in your back pocket must be just immense. Like, mm. like, Schumacher's brand still speaks volumes. I mean, I can't talk. I've, I may or may not have spent the best part of 300 quid on mini helmets recently based on Michael. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> it,
1: it's, it's a problem. I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's be real with you. It didn't exactly hurt Bruno Senna's career. No, it hasn't. Well, it's, it's a plus. Can't lie. Up until he hurt it for himself?
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess he can make that argument. But, um, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame because... Like, mm. when it comes to motorsport, we should be getting excited about young people coming up through the lane. We've, we've seen like both Moto GP and Formula One have both had transcendent young stars headline their sport in a a sense the last few years of MotoGP and Mark Marquez even in IndyCar to a degree with Graham Rahal and Joseph Newgarden being their two brightest younger stars for the future and now Formula One with Max Verstappen and hey who knows Lance Stroll could be great Carlos Sainz was was arguably a top 5 driver of the year candidate this year and he's still only 21 himself so it's Formula One, we care about young people and we want to see young people do well. I mean, with this whole Rosberg seat drama, the amount of people that have suggested every young driver under the sun to potentially... Guys take, in the Mercedes Academy out in DTM. Yes. Like, you know, like, you, na- you name it, Ocon for young people. Like, the, the whole pushing of, oh, we should have taken Kvyat over John Eric Verne, for example. That was a narrative that came up towards the end of 2014 as a season. And, you know, Kvyat got the nod. We were skeptical about it. Kvyat turned out to be really good in 2015, and then it was like, oh, we're all in on the young'uns now, and to the point where now Red Bull's probably got too many young'uns, so to speak, but um, that's a discussion for another day, but that seems to be the state of junior racing right now in the sense of it's just negative story after another, and it just ties back for me into the fact that Formula 1 is just not a sustainable sport right now on on every level on from from a, a top tier level in terms of competition sake right the way down to the junior scene where it is a an arms race who has the most value and you know driver talent is not, not necessarily included in that and that's a shame because in a perfect world and in a world where you know we want to see the best drivers in the world in Formula 1 cars Mitch Evans would probably would have won three World titles by now going by the way the internet talks about him but unfortunately that's just not the game these days and it's a shame that that's kind
2: of the way it's become over the last few years and yeah i mean because i mean gp2 has had a decent graduation rate to formula one where i think based off of up until the end of last season uh 26 out of the 166 drivers to race in GP2 have moved on to Formula 1. That's about just a little over 15% in terms of graduation rate.
0: Yeah, that's 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 insane i mean like formula one is the most competitive motorsport to get into and it had about a it's had about a one in seven graduation rate since its inception that's actually pretty darn good in the grand scheme of things given that a lot of gp2 and free drivers are crap um <laughs> so let's be real here and a lot of them are <laughs> never going to make it into f1 kind of masses, i'm looking at you
1: um but hey hey <laughs> i mean common Jordan can't knock a hustle I'm leaving now. <laughs> Please do. Shut the door on the way out.
0: You, did mm. you utter this, <laughs> you utter disgrace. Um, <laughs> and on that note <laughs> leaving on the note of karma Jordan, that just about says it already, doesn't it? Like like <laughs> I don't want to live in the world where this exists. Um that is just about us on the state of junior racing. Check out the piece I wrote as well on, on Motorsport1.net as well, the Fighting Chance Junior, if you want to read my thoughts on the whole thing in full. And uh, yeah, let's review the Formula One season, shall we? Comes the totally arbitrary, completely unnecessary Formula One season review to close out the year because that's what we do around here, damn it. Um, Now, I said I'm going to keep this relatively brisk per team we'll talk about major results drivers obviously key results and we'll even score teams out of 10 because that's always fun um so we're going to keep this to roughly eight to ten minutes a team We'll, we'll have a little wrap up of some of our favorite moments and some of the infamous stuff throughout the season as well towards the end but i'm going to keep this relatively quick pace because i don't want to be here for the next three hours so Let's go. From, we're going to do this from the bottom to the top. So, we're going to start at the 11th place team first and then work our way up. So, without further ado, let's start with the highly brilliant season of a certain Mana Mercedes team, Mana Racing team. 11th overall in the constructors. Just the one point in their name, unfortunately. It was that 10th place finish from Pascal Verlein in Austria. Um one of the few teams that went through three different drivers in a season as well. Obviously, their team, their main team was Pascal Wehrlein and, and Rio Haryanto, but sadly Rio Haryanto ran out of funds after the German Grand Prix and Esteban Ocon took over for the final nine rounds of the championship. Now, it's kind of... A, I feel a little bit bad for Manor on this one because they were having a pretty darn good season. I think, for me, they deserve quite a high score in the long run. We'll get to that at the end, but I, I liked what I liked about manner is that they are no longer the complete bottom feeders of formula one now compared to last year, where they were still so far off the pace this year. Okay. They may still be bottom, but they're now there. I say competitively at the bottom. If that makes sense. Mm.
1: <laughs> <They're>, yeah. <laughs> they, I
2: mean, my, I'm gone. Yeah. They can fight for 10th, which is Okay. <laughs> I mean in
1: my notes I've said uh, they improved uh on 2015 and it kind of felt like the plan was to just survive 2015 given that they shouldn't they probably were surprised they even made the grid at all in 2015. Yes. Uh, the plan this year was just to survive last year and then start to improve this year, and it would have all gone to plan if it wasn't for those pesky salbers, or in this case the pesky
0: salber of Felipe NASA in
1: Brazil. Exactly. That's the thing that fucked up the entire plan, and now it's sort of put them back in a tailspin again of being put into like takeover thing. I feel like had they managed to finish the season and get, and could this be like? I don't know why we're not kicking up more of a fuss of this. Once again, the arbitrary rule that only ten of the 11 manufacturers get any sort of money mm. out of the constructors championship that does that seems pretty ass backwards if you're trying to encourage sustainability and teams to enter formula one exactly now, i'm not saying mana should people should be rewarded for finishing last no way but like mana should at least like if brazil doesn't happen then mana finish 10th get the what is it 30 million million dollar payout 40 million dollar payout and it's sauber who are suddenly in a bit of trouble Like it's it's I mean, it's high stakes stuff, but it doesn't seem right because manners that betrays just how solid manners season was. I just think it's a bit silly in general that the, the, the
0: bottom-ranked team gets zero. I mean, I mean, I'd be okay with them getting the least of any other team, but the fact they get zero is what annoys me the most. And yeah, at least relegated teams in the Premier League get a parachute payment. Yeah, they, they they are actively encouraged to try and fight to come back up by getting a subsidiary payment from the Premier League. In in Formula One um in formula 1 terms it's um it's just unfortunate that um you know the bottom ranked team drops out like that and you know get zero get zero to show for it but it's a shame because like, the the position for me doesn't tell the story because, again, like I said, mana last year were so far off and they, they were they were sticking it like a sore thumb last year when it comes to being three or four seconds off even the bottom-ranked teams in F1. They were, like, close to invoking the 107% rule. Yeah, on, a, on multiple occasions. I think early on in that 2015 season, they were close to the 107 rule. I think in Spain, they're only about a second away from that. This year, sure, they're at the bottom, but, they again, they can challenge for some of the teenage score level points and they did that quite a lot this year where they were you know there was a lot of twelfths, a lot of thirteens, fourteens, that kind of area where they can you know if there's a couple of retirements here and there they can get into the top 15 and that's 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 progress that's definitely a step in the right direction and they also got their first point since the since the legendary point of Jules Bianchi and want to go 2014 with Pascal Verlein's 10th in Austria and I mean, King. It's it's amazing. Now we're looking at the driver market situation and Pascal Verline, and seemingly his reputation is one of becoming of a princess. But let's not forget this guy is still really good.
2: Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> he's right. <bloody, laughs> yeah, he, he's certainly above average for a guy of his age, and he he definitely deserves to be higher up the grid than sitting in the last place team it's true Mm. and i know he's
0: got a bad rap for being a bit of a prima donna in 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 terms of formula one um, at, at, at the moment, at the, at, the, at the current state of time right now, but he's still a pretty solid driver for what he is, and it seems he's been given the cold shoulder at Mercedes over Esteban Ocon in terms of the brighter prospects, given that Ocon is going to be in the Force India seat next year, probably in brackets, and with Verline not also probably. But it's we also got we got to talk about Ria Harrianto for a minute here as well, haven't we? And um, have we? Yeah, we do a little bit. I mean. I feel a little. I feel a little bit bad for Harriante because he did have his moments. He he was a pretty strong qualifier out there as well. He was
1: pretty solid on. He did hold his own against word sometimes in qualifying. He did. To be fair. He
0: did. And I, I think that some of the tracks where he had his where his GP two experience came into play. I think was the, the tracks who he was stronger on. Um, his best finish for was fifteenth um, at Monaco, which is you know a hard track to do well at, and it's a shame he was beaten by his teammate that day. But I mean, Harriante running out of money was on. Fortunate. What I find most infuriating about 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 Harry Anto was that, like, he was actually pretty good in GP two the previous year. Like, we were mocking him for being a pay driver because he wasn't as good as Verline throughout his first time of the season, and then we all suddenly felt bad for him when he lost his job. Like, wait a minute! Like, w- 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 like, which one is it? Was it was like the
1: Pastor Maldonado face turned at the end of last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's, it's like, it's like, like, which one is it here? More than anything else. And though,
2: though it was pretty funny how Mannard tried to get Alex Rossi in that seat
0: exactly that, that, that was pretty funny and you know the, the methods like the crowdfunding like we get a text in to all his buddies in Indonesia to get some money and so that Harry Anto can drive a car which is a shame because that is such an important market for motorsport to tap into because they're such a bike country in that part of the world in that in that Southeast Asia they love their bikes and so for an F1 driver to come through would have been amazing for them as a country but it's a shame it just didn't work out who knows maybe Manor's new ownership will give them a second chance and King before we, before we wrap up the mana section I mean, what did you make of Ocon this season in terms of the nine races he took part in? Because he was a bit rough to start off with, but I mean, twelfth and thirteenth to close out the year—pretty darn strong finishes in the end. Yeah, he
2: he, he definitely got quicker with every se- every session he competed in. Every every session he got quicker and quicker. Which is the
1: most you can expect from a rookie driver, absolutely.
2: Yeah, it shows that next year, wherever he's racing next year, well whether it's at least for cindy next year he's gonna be someone to watch because he's gonna be very quick out there and he's gonna impress a lot of people
0: um yeah exactly i can't argue with that so ratings out of 10 for mana
1: uh i'm going 5.5
2: oh i want to go four
1: wow four yeah, I want to go for. I mean, damn son. Okay, I uh, I'm going 5.5 because it generally their plan was to be solid but unspectacular this year and it wouldn't have it would have worked had it not been for NASA.
0: Yeah, and to be fair like again, okay, they got to be fair, I'm going to take a point off my score because they did get a lot of help from places like Mercedes giving them power units and shit like that. And they had a really really good second driver dropped into their lap halfway through the season. I'm going to say five on this one. I'm going to I'm, that's fair, gonna, that's I'm gonna fair. split you on that one. I don't think it was a bad year by, for mana by any stretch. It was a good year in terms of progress made, but a lot of that was down to handouts and um, not really mana themselves, so to speak. Being on the best power unit in the field definitely helps. I'll say that much. And yeah, here, here we are still quite lagging behind. Um, I've got the hiccups, which isn't as any really helping either, but I will try to soldier on. <laughs> um, tenth place. Sauber, um, two points scored. Um, a very, very, very important two points scored by Felipe Nasr at the Brazilian Grand, Basically Grand Prix. Basically
1: saved their entire season, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah,
0: essentially. I mean... They like for average results, they are definitely stronger than Man of War, so I think the the, the tenth was probably deserved in the grand scheme of things. A lot more mechanical retirements though, for what it's worth. Yeah. And um, shout out to also to their race at Monaco where they took each other out in a hilarious,
3: <laughs> in a hilarious
0: Rascasse related incident where <laughs> arguably the funniest moment of the entire F1 season, just seeing Ericsson dive bomb the shit out of Felipe Nazza and taking them both out of the race. That, like, if any of that happened up the front more often, hey, hey Hamilton. Um, but uh, it was, that was also kind of a hilarious moment in its own right. But Salber is a difficult case because this is like the joint worst Salba season, I think, ever. Uh, like, I think they were 10th in 2014 as well. But that year, they didn't even score any points. So I guess technically this is a little
2: bit better, I guess. Yeah, and, like, and like, it's a little bit better because I'm pretty sure weren't there... Uh, 12 teams in 2014. There was,
0: and I think Caterham <laughs> finished behind them as well, so they were like 11 out of 12. Yeah, they were
1: just ahead of Caterham and uh, Marussia, <laughs> as it would have been.
0: Um, so, yeah, it's it, it wasn't quite as bad this time around, but still pretty bad. But I must admit, there is one small gem to come out of this season for me, and it wasn't the fact that NASA scored those two points. For me, I actually thought that Marcus Ericsson showed a f- quite a fair bit of improvement this season. And I felt like, oh, hang on. My- Marcus Ericsson
1: actually isn't all that bad. <laughs> yeah, because we all predicted him to kind of take over as the F1 whipping boy after Maldonado departed, but that kind of didn't happen. In the end, indeed, no one really was. The closest was probably Palmer. We'll get to him in a bit. Like, my notes for, for Sauber kind of says the season would have ended up kind of being a-, a total bust had it not been for Naza. But they did improve as the year went on it felt like the start of the year i I predicted them to finish bottom in the constructors and i was almost right um but they when they started the year because it it just felt to me like they were treading water whilst everyone else had stepped up like Haas had come in renault had you know had transformed lotus and given them fresh uh, injection although we'll get to them in a minute um so so for me they really looked like they were in trouble at the start of the year but they kind of stabilized around the mid-season and started to pick up near the end so by the end of the year On paper, it looked like they got lucky with that Brazil two points and it didn't reflect. But if you look at how the results were going, it was almost coming. Do you know what I mean?
0: Marcus Ericsson had a, I think yeah, he had a 12th in Bahrain, a 12th in Catalonia. Yeah. He finished 12th at Malaysia, 11th at Mexico. And then, you know, didn't like, he didn't. He was knocking on the door. He was knocking on the door on several occasions this year. While NASA took all the credit for the ninth place finish in Brazil on his home (laughs) Grand Prix. And then I was like, oh my God, we got points. NASA, you hero. When really Ericsson probably had the better season out qualified NASA as well for what it's worth from Throughout the year and again like in the championship it looks like nasa's on top but really i would rate ericsson season a fair bit better than nasa who who knows could still fall up into a williams seat by the time next season rolls around because he's in and around that space f1 is a cruel and unpredictable bastard sometimes but <laughs> um i mean king it's it just seemed like there's not much to really talk about with sour because it just seems like it's just such
1: a just like a beacon of misery, this team right now. Like there's, like, there's hardly... Well, to me, it's it's kind of weird how... Because for, for most of the year, it was like that. But now, those two points seem to have transferred. They suddenly seem to be in a much better position. They've got more of a confirmed driver lineup for next year than Manor, seemingly. They have not down, now, yeah. Yeah, and, and they've got Verline supposedly on the edge of it. But the, as we know, the whole Mercedes situation has blown that completely out. out you know, just no one knows who's going where now. But for me, it, it kind of felt like the mood was changing near the end of the year. And now it's kind of like Salba are kind of on the up, like the, the, the little arrows just on the up now. The feeling is better. Whereas Manor are sort of, oh, we were nearly OK with trading water all year. Now we're not. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, that- it's just difficult to see how much lo- like if Salber can improve and they did well this year how are they going to kick on and try and do that again next year? Because people aren't going to stand still. Absolutely. And again, I said, it's it's
0: one of those things where like, it seems that I don't think Sabo were necessarily that bad. I just feel like the rest of the field probably just got that little bit better than them, you know. With teams like McLaren making big strides forward this year, Lotus, I could become in Renault had a few more points finishes for the season than they did in the end. And but like I said, the, the Marcus Eriksson was a nice little underrated gem for the year. And you know, it's a sh- it's almost a shame that he's going to be with that team next year because I'd like to see him in a slightly better team to see if he could actually score some points and see a bit more visibility because he's he's never going to show his, his true self in a team
1: that is so bad right now. Um, so, ratings for the team, anyone? I'm going to go, this might sound a bit harsh, but I'm going to go, with a point added on near the end of the season, 4.5. Yeah, I want to go 4.5 too. Yeah. I actually rated them below Mana, because I think Mana had the more consistent season overall.
0: Yeah, I think mana actually showed signs of progress, where Sauber, I think, actually regressed a little bit. Andrew Kissinger, I'm sorry. <laughs> true, true. I'm gonna, um, yeah, I think four's about right. I was gonna go four. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit on the harsher side of that, but I think, <laughs> I think four's is seemingly about right for me on this one. Um, so yeah, Salba, not great. Let's let's move on to Renault and Renault ninth overall, eight points scored. Um, the team of Kevin Magnussen and Jolyan Palmer. Best result was that seventh place driver of the day performance that Kevin Magnussen had in Russia. I think that was from eighteenth on the grid to finish in seventh. So, I mean, that kind of just sums up Renault's season. It was a couple of flashes in the pan because,
1: an overall, just not great um well this is where i'm probably gonna make myself unpopular with certain parts of the fan base but for me i i'm harsher on them than i am on the previous two teams because they're a factory team and yeah. they actually did worse than lotus last year who spent half the year wondering if they'd be able to get into their own trucks or whether they'd be impounded by bailiffs again yeah you see what absolutely I mean? um is this one of those things where i like i know they were just returning to the series like it's a first time thing but for a factory team and that sort of development behind them, you got to feel like you should expect more. You know what I mean? Like Haas outperform them. You, you, you just should. I mean, they—they they are. You know, they. I don't they, think it's. A, I don't think it's unfair to say I expected more from Renault this year. No, I think we all expected a slow start, but then the improvement just never came. Yeah, do you know what I mean. And considering we were talking about you know the engine troubles and we'll come back to this later obviously but the whole divorce from Red Bull with the engine saga and everything and everyone's like oh Renault are gonna have their own engines and Red Bull are gonna be in trouble because they they they've never been an engine team really yeah Red Bull didn't if anything Red Bull were better off this year and Renault didn't really have anything to do with it I don't know if it was just an inexperienced driver lineup uh, but for me it just sort of felt like they I don't know they were just sort of there and for a factory team that's a real disappointment Mm mm-hmm
0: it's it, 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 That's the impression I got. I mean, I said Magnussen had the seventh place in Russia. I do remember and Palmer started really well out of the box in, in Australia. He was rubbing it up with Valtteri Bottas. It was a great little fight he had, and Palmer was showing some fight, and I was like, oh... Good for him. It's like he's doing all right. Finished 11th. Was unlucky not to score points on his debut. His point did come down the road in Malaysia in the end. His first um, F1 point. Um, Again, only one other point scoring driver for the year. And that was um, Magnussen's 10th in Singapore. Uh, Again, another great drive because that was him 18th on the grid. And it's like, King, it's like this wasn't completely terrible for Renault, but it's kinda of disappointing given I mean they I I'm I'm sure Renault would not want to
2: finish ninth this year. Let's put it yeah. that way. Not like, even close. Not <laughs> they were, even did they, 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 they were finished, last year. <laughs> yeah. Not only did they finish ninth in the championship, they didn't even break into double digit points. They only scored eight points all year. Eight
0: points. And the team above them has a brand new team built from the ground up, had twenty nine. An independent. An independent. That's not a good look at all and it's it's a shame because i think rando is a team that a lot of
1: people want to do well magnuson is a driver that a lot of people want to see him do well because you know i think honestly bringing in Hulkenberg next year is sort of a genuine franchise player figurehead sort of thing for the team will help absolutely and maybe renewed investment will, will aid that as well but I, I don't know this year the driver lineup felt too inexperienced for a factory team going all in guns blazing yeah and the
0: car just never really got any better, and
1: it's it, it's it's not. A,
0: I know Red Bull's got a it much just plateaued, didn't yeah. it? It just never got any better. I, You're right. I know Red Bull has got a much bigger budget, and you know they're not really Renault engines, but we all know they are with Tag Heuer. But I mean, they had 468 points this year, and Renault, the team that built their engines, had eight. It's it's. I know for various reasons, it's not the same thing. It's not a totally fair comparison, but. It only highlights to emphasise just how bad Renault's season was in the grand scheme of things. Like I say, for a factory
1: team, you should expect far more.
0: Exactly. I think I think it's not unfair to suggest that Renault should have done better. Um, so yeah, overall team score for them.
1: Honestly, I'm around a three or a four. I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking three. I think they might be the worst yeah, team in three. the field pound for pound. <laughs> Yeah, pound for pound. Pa- oh, yeah. If we're talking pound for pound, then yeah, worst team. Yeah, I mean, for what it was, I found that to be
0: quite disappointing. Um. So yeah, Renault, three out of ten from us on this one, ninth overall. So let's move up a little bit further. Let's take on 8th-placed Haas. Haas Ferrari, brand new team. 8th-place overall, 29 points for the season. We're getting quite a jump up in points here, 29 in total. They finished Their best finish was 5th with Romain Grosjean in Bahrain. Yeah, an actual top-five finish from the 8th-ranked team in the field. Funny that. And uh, they finished in the points on five separate occasions that season. All of them, ironically, from Romain Grosjean. Um, Poor Esteban. Can't, couldn't score a point to save his life um always career his career for that matter one point scoring drive in three seasons oh dear but um <laughs> king you're, you're the american we'll cut to you first on this one
1: <laughs> and now for our american correspondence yes.
0: i mean i guess i think the best way to sum this up was it all started
2: so well yeah they they turn up early and then it just they kind of just faded into the background it's weird because, like,
0: like Gutierrez had two DNFs to start the year. I mean, one of them was the racing incident Alonso crash at Australia that we all remember so well. But Grosjean started the year, points on their debut, sixth place finish, great strategic call by Ruth Buscombe to basically run a zero stopper because of the red flag and and, and, um, and the retired change of situation. Went one better in Bahrain by finishing fifth. Um, then China was awful. Then he got back in the points again for Russia by Grosjean finishing eighth. And, and then, oh, it, it didn't get much. It was just midfield, middle of the road, kind
1: of mediocre for Haas. It felt like as soon as the European season hit, they really started to settle into where people expected they'd more likely to be. Indeed. I think that's the problem with the half season. Like, it wasn't bad overall. It wasn't too bad for them, but... <clears throat> they set such a high bar at the start of the year with those amazing results right out of the gate where I And you where i think after, a the, pre-
2: <clears throat> after the first race gene ha said yeah we're probably gonna score points every race and that was a big mistake to <laughs> no, say. yeah gene. they just they
1: just yeah they set the bar far too high and also i think you just brought it up ruth boscombe oh yeah are we g- not giving left. her anywhere near <laughs> enough left. credit because where did she then turn up who then improved a lot more across the season Salba. exactly so she could be down as probably one of the MVPs of the season in terms Absolutely. of she was there for two of the most important strategic calls of the entire year.
0: Yeah, two two strategic calls that literally changed the outlook on two teams throughout the entire season. It was an incredible change of fortune, or incredible swing. And those key decisions was what ultimately made it so great for him. But um, I want to mention Esteban Gutierrez for a minute because I don't want to rag on the kid too much because he's going to come up in a certain award later in the show. But I think he had a pretty good season, to be honest with you. I mean, he out-qualified Grosjean on numerous occasions. He out-raced Grosjean on many occasions. But, of course, Grosjean had all the points scoring finishes. So, of course, Grosjean took all the credit for it. I mean... I think this
2: is a classic case of points don't tell the whole story The results don't tell the story Didn't Gutierrez have like four 11th place finishes
0: Five 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 he, he was 11th in Catalonia 11th at Monaco 11th in Austria 11th in Germany and 11th in Singapore not um, just just for the record to throw in 12th in, in Belgium and 12th in Abu Dhabi like them he is like Hulkenberg and podiums that boy yes it's just it's just not gonna happen is it um, and it didn't know <laughs> that he had all the brunt of the mechanical failures towards the end of the year as well like in Brazil but we famously saw him nearly punch out Gunther Steiner out of sheer frustration <laughs> having already been told he was losing his job um, to Kevin Magnuson, who had an equally disappointing season over at Renault, really. <laughs> like, if you're Esteban, God damn it. I, I don't know how he was able to hold it down. Like, he was close to just punching the man out. But, um, yeah, just an awful, awful... Um, unlucky kind of season for Esteban Mm. a season where I think he actually was pretty good but
1: was just bitterly unlucky yeah Lewis Hamilton you want to talk about oh I'm unlucky Uh, (laughs) deserving the moral champion the blah Esteban Gutierrez is just chilling over here like no mate D- don't even no, step no, to no, me He's that. too
0: busy tweeting him telling him to remind his level of disrespect as we found out in Hungary.
3: <laughs> but
0: um, overall, I mean, it was a start where Haas essentially blew their load a little bit too early and the rest of it was a little bit disappointing by comparison. I mean, if you take out the first three rounds where Grosjean finished sixth, fifth and eighth, they would have scored less points for the year than Renault did.
2: And- yeah, the highlight of their season would have been Grosjean you know, not making the start in Brazil.
1: <laughs> this is the win but I think that's, that's actually more accurate as to where people expected them to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so I think overall, I mean, I've given them a six out of 10 because I think in terms of first season, F1 go for an
2: independent. Not yeah. Bad. Pretty damn minted independent. Uh, I wanted to go five, but I'm American. So I'm probably being harsh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like it's not it's, not, on the Homer. it's not like the Homer being harsh here. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of some weird ass reversal. I was gonna say six, and I'll stick with that. I'll stay six. I mean, it is their first year. I mean, I thought they were going to be right down the bottom. The fact they finished eighth was is actually a pretty respectable result for them in the end. Grosjean, you know, when the car is great, he is great. That I mean, that's that's, Mm. the Grosjean seems to be the ultimate as good as the car lets in driver. Essentially, of our times where Lotus were bad but when they were good they were really really good and Grosjean was right there I mean the he forefront. basically
1: saved their season last year with that podium inspired he got a friggin podium, a podium. on the weekend they couldn't even get into their own trucks yes it's ludicrous
0: it's one of those things absolutely um, couldn't agree more but um, yeah without question a, a, a decent decent to good season for Haas overall I think they did a very solid job indeed with what they were given and I'm going to be most curious to see how they build on that for next year I'd say is a canvas to be painted on um, I think they could be one to keep an eye on for next year Toro Rosso now man was this an interesting season 7th um, place overall 63 points overall um, they also had 3 drivers for the year. they started out with um, Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen but as we quickly found out Verstappen was swapped with Kvyat and Kvyat I, mean, I think it's fair to say Toro Rosso got the raw end of that deal
1: um, getting Daniel <laughs> Kiviat Kvyat back and, and um, Carl. not just Daniel Kvyat a trashed Daniel Kvyat because they basically he was hung out to dry in front of the world. As
0: my microphone drops off my stand, there—that's not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> Your microphone just summed up Daniel Kaviet's season. Pretty much, it was like it was doing its best Kaviet impression by just jumping off the side of my ledge. Um, <laughs> it was a metaphor um, for a season. Yeah, cle- clearly my microphone was onto something there. Um, <laughs> but it's—it's it's hard to describe Toros' season because you I mean Torosso had. A problem from the start, and that the problem was was that they had a Ferrari power unit that they couldn't upgrade because it was last year's Ferrari power units. Um, so they were effectively dangling by a noose from the start, where it was only going to get worse as the year went on. And it, it, I was going to say it kind of showed but it's impossible to, t- to talk about Toro Rosso and not talk about just how friggin' awesome Carlos Sainz was this yep, season. Because
2: Carlos Sainz made it work. <laughs> Carlos Sainz Well, I was, was going to um,
1: what my notes my notes for for Toro Rosso basically says they ended up being the definition of average. Uh, but they were doing what they were there to do ultimately, which was keep the Red Bull reserves under their umbrella. That's exactly what they did with Kvyat. They were a place to keep him in the Red Bull umbrella. Mm -hmm. but they didn't want him in the main team anymore because Max Um, but like for it would have gone to plan as well except that science clearly had ideas above his station that kid was sensational or he was one of those guys where it's like again the results probably do and don't tell the full story because if you, I mean, I remember the story of uh, back in at the Spanish Grand Prix. Of course, there was only one Red Bull driver that everyone was talking about. Mm-hmm. But didn't Science finish sixth that day? Yeah, he did He really finished
0: sixth. It was his joint best result mm. of the year. Sixth place in Catalunya, home
1: race, and yeah. And and it feels to me like Science is almost like Red Bull's version of Nico Rosberg. Now, stick with me on this one. In that he has always been in the shadow of more notable and famous project drivers, mm-hmm. if you will. He was obviously in the shadow of Max Verstappen last year. They were the two famous. Uh, young rookies, and then obviously the story is around Daniel Kvyat. But all the, the whole time, Science has just got on with it and been quietly very good. Like he was all of Verstappen's equal last year, I think. No, I, I completely agree. Um, and he, he was, you know, he's he's not the sexy pick in terms of we know Verstappen's such an explosive character all around anyway. But Science is just there. He could be a super franchise player on the level of like a, a Grosjean or a, a Hulkenberg or a Perez, but better. You know, a guy who, like I'm not denigrating those guys, but a guy who goes on to the big teams and gets the big results. Do you Absolutely, know what I mean? and.
0: Eight out of the first eleven races, Carlos Sainz finished in the points, and he, like as the you can't ask as the team got worse, two sixth place finishes at the end of the season at Kota and at Brazil, um, and that could have very well been a podium for Carlos if, if it wasn't for the fact he was on the wrong strategy towards the end of that Grand Prix. But it was still a tremendous performance from Carlos Sainz on that day, and Sainz was that standout midfielder, I think, more than anybody else this season. That for me was like like why aren't we talking about this guy more and I'm glad as the season went on there was more and more acknowledgement for the job that Carlos Sainz was doing it was a far
1: professional job and just and it's a big compliment now that in the Mercedes replacement driver rumors his name is now being thrown into the ring to the point that yep. Christian Horner has had to say again hands off because wasn't it Renault who was interested in his services yeah, yep Renner wanted him earlier. So in the year. That's two that. of the factories that have been sniffing around Carlos' sides. That's a big compliment. It is a big compliment. Although you've got to, you've got to start to think, if you're Carlos yourself, how much longer do you want to stay in the queue behind Ricardo and Verstappen and potentially another superstar behind you that you haven't even heard
2: of yet? When you are now being
1: scouted by the top teams in the sport,
2: indeed, I'd be I'd be at my desk looking for my Red Bull contract and looking for a lighter. <laughs> in, in, indeed, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, and it's one of those things where
0: like Carlos Sainz for a quick betting tip here he was 28 to 1 for, for the Mercedes seat before they stopped taking bets towards yesterday the last day they, they were taking bets on that market for now at least Carlos Sainz was slashed to 9 to 1 to take that seat behind the Ooh. behind the big two of Pascal Veron and Valtteri Bottas um, so people are people were starting to put more and more money down on Carlos Sainz for that seat because i think people are starting to realize wait this guy is really good you may, it may not be the ex, as exciting as Max Verstappen, but the kids are brilliant talent and, and, and certainly want to keep an eye on them for, um, for next season as well, for Toro Rosso, because they are going back to Renault next next season. So that is going to be intriguing to see if, if, if Renault and uh, upgraded units can keep Toro Rosso in that kind of knocking on the door of semi-regular points kind of level. I mean, Kvyat, I mean, the, Toro Rosso's keeping them on for next year. Would anybody really have drawn much foul if they had let him go,
1: given what has happened to him this season? And you know, this, it I felt like his season was almost a wash when you've been hung out to dry that badly in front of the mm-hmm. in front of the the F1 world. It just felt like he was damaged goods from there on in. So it's at least a nice show of respect from Red Bull in terms of, now nah, we still see something in this kid mm-hmm. that they that they tried to keep him on, or was it more a selfish case of he could do more damage to us outside of this organization than in? Do you know what I mean? And you you got to feel for Kvyat because he was a scapegoat just for Verstappen. Like if Verstappen, if Jos hasn't thrown that tantrum and said that there was like, I think he said there was some interest from Mercedes or something, then like Kvyat on pure performance wasn't getting out of that seat anytime soon. He was all right. He'd already got a podium in the first few races of the year but mm-hmm. he was collateral damage in the Verstappen saga. And, and it, 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 it said a lot that it was at Singapore when we finally started to see some more aggro from Kvyat and, people were, and he was smiling getting out the car again. It was like, that had been a tough year for him. So I'm glad he's been kept on. And I think next year is going to be important for him because he won't have any excuse of having his confidence so badly dated. Yeah, it, you know it, it's mean?
0: a make or break season without question. And again, like Toro Rosso did great. Given the circumstances, given the fact that they were already shackled into a bad power unit and they still finished, a solid seventh overall, a distant seventh from everybody else. And very nearly, uh, were we're catching up to the back of McLaren Honda towards the end of the year. That fifth place that Fernando got uh, at at Cota, which we'll talk about in a minute, was probably more important than we realized at the time. But um, uh, for me... Purely because of Carlos signs, I'm gonna say seven for Toro Rosso yep. because because I think Toro Rosso we don't expect them to be good given the circumstances anyway and Carlos Sainz made them good and for that alone I think deserves an extra point of credit so
1: yeah, seven yeah, I was going to go a little bit harsher on them and say six but Sainz is the asterisk by that six When you, yeah. you know yeah. when what I mean?
0: when a driver for your team is at a top five level season I think it's hard not to give the team a little bit of extra credit where that's concerned yeah, no, I, I won't disagree with um, that at all so yeah, that's Toro Rosso in the nutshell Sixth, McLaren-Honda. The McHonda combination rolls on, rumbles on. Sixth overall, 76 points in sixth place. Their best result, their two fifth-place finishes, both from Fernando Alonso, one at Monaco, and the other one at the Circuit of the Americas. And um, it's going to be a very different McLaren team next year. We'll talk about that in a minute, but... uh, We've got to give McLaren some props. They were a lot better than they were last year. Although then again, last year they were
1: total trash. So what does that really say? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I really like my notes here Just say it was a good step forward on the nightmare that was 2015. And it had to be. They had no choice for like we talk about Renault's debut being disappointing. Honda's last year was an absolute dumpster fire. Like, it, it, they had to start turning this thing around now, given that they went with Honda to be like, well, this is our best chance of moving back towards the front. The nostalgia associated with it, the big name drivers, and they finished ninth out of 10 constructors. It was pathetic. This mm. year, a lot better, but yeah, you know, they started to get the onto- Yeah, they're the same
2: position where they left Mercedes, where they if they were still the same four teams running Mercedes engines, they're still in that same fourth spot. Yeah,
1: but they're, they're still. They're, they got to a lot better. And I, I think for me, what was quite significant is that Fernando Alonso really started to. Um, and especially after another rough start, questions about whether he should retire or not. He started to kind of become more of a team leader. He outscored Button two to one across the season, which he, you don't kind of associate that le- that sort of der- gulf quality between the two of them. And it's almost felt like, well, you made a big play to get Alonso into this team, and he started to kind of justify his presence there. And it was almost like, okay, now we see what his benefit with. And I think him and Van Dorn combining next year looks good because we see we saw a lot more of a strong, more sort of mature Alonso more sort of adjusting to okay I am far away from the front and this is not what I'm used to but I'm going to make this thing work you know what I mean?
0: Yeah to be fair most of the retirement talk came from me Um, (laughs) and Johnny Herbert Herbert, in (laughs) fairness but yeah I can't fault it I think Fernando Alonso has actually had quite an underrated season I mean it's, it's It's a thing where I can't believe I'm giving Fernando Alonso credit for being underrated in the grand scheme of things, but he
2: did finish (laughs) in Um, the points. I mean, I'm pretty sure we get to it in our Christmas special, but based on what most journalists have said, I'd probably say you're not underrating him. He's just where he is. Oh, (laughs) We'll talk about that next week.
0: Um, but um, <laughs> I guess. But we'll have to see where that goes. But I mean, Nando, he did have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I mean, so seven out of the last 11 races he finished in the points, including five times in the top seven. So it's it's definitely a question. He was definitely punching above his weight in that car this year. And Jensen Button was f- was comprehensively beaten by him this year and it's probably for the best that Button hangs it up now
1: because I mean it was I felt like you could tell when Button announced his retirement he was kind of mentally checking out do you know what I oh, mean you know? the
0: man was drunk 12 laps after he'd finished his race <laughs> he stopped giving a shit some time ago and by the time they were interviewing him after said race on Channel 4's Broadcast. He was pissed out of his head, interrupting Ted's notebook. Does that seem like a man that is really excited about next season to you? No. Like But I think mentally was already thinking about the next chapter for him. I mean, he's going to keep racing, and he's such a legendary figure of Formula 1. One of the real, genuine, great guys of Formula 1 over the last 15, 20 years. Such a brilliant personality, and... One of the most just easy to like drivers, I think I've ever seen in F1. Like mm. it's like reminds me a lot of Rubens Barrichello, just guys that are just thoroughly likable, good people, and that in this sport is actually quite hard to come by, and and, and it's a shame yeah. because we well, have I mean, seen them like Rubens like Rubens like like maybe um, like just Gen- Felipe, Felipe Massa. Massa as well as also retiring. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, But Jensen were the real good guys. It's a shame because it kind of papered over the cracks of what was quite a poor season by his standards. I mean, he had the sixth place in Austria, but that was about it for Jensen. Button Highlights for most of the season, really. And, you know, Nando is still probably a top driver, just we can't really say for sure, given the car he's in. And they got Stoffel van Dorn, who did drive that one race for him in Bahrain and did score the team's first point of the year. So, I mean, that's probably a bright spot to go on for the future with Stoffel. I'm going to be very curious to see how he stands up compared to um, well I mean there's, not, there's probably not a much tougher test in the palette than going up against Fernando Alonso in a McLaren uh, so that's <laughs> quite the yardstick for the young boy right there so we're gonna see how that goes rating for the team
2: six- I wanna go seven like I wanna go seven I, I'm- Okay, I'm, I'm going 7.5. I was thinking 6. I, I think I expected them to be better this
0: year with Honda, so I don't think it was that much surpassed my own expectations for them this year. So I'm going to be a little bit on the mm. harsher end on this one and say 6.
2: Yeah, I would say they've met my expectations of where they were going to be. Maybe a, they were a little bit I think better. People didn't,
1: I think people were sort of like, well, they have to be better, but will they?
2: Do you know what I yeah. mean? So
1: the fact that they were in the end, they were pretty... You, know, the, you mentioned it yourself, Dre. The fact that by the end of the year you were calling people out for being surprised that they were getting it through into Q3. Right, exactly. Like, that's it. They've got back to a fairly, uh, an alright level now, which they had to. You know, They had to show that level of improvement. But the fact that they actually did it for me, I said well, you know, I'd I, I say 7.5 on that one.
0: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe I'm mean being a little bit harsh on that one, but I just find it annoying that people, I think, want McLaren to be better than what they actually are sometimes, but... It's, it's, hmm. it's understandable it's understandable into the top five and in fifth place down I think down two spots from last year or one spot one spot two last, spots yeah what, were they third last year yep okay yeah so they're down two spots from last year Um, Yeah. Williams. um, Oh dear. Um, We'll get to them in a minute, but uh, yeah, they were fifth overall, 138 points scored. There's obviously, there's a sizable gap between six from the top five now, but yeah, 138 points scored their best finish. Third, they, their one podium for the year, Canada with Valtteri Bottas on the podium on that, that occasion. Felipe Massa did not finish a Grand Prix higher than fifth this year. And the post-mortem is kind of bleak here well it it just seems to me that the the overall impression i get from this season with williams is that they, i think they just ran out of cash i think more than anything else i think they had the money and i think they were they were starting to just fade away in that arms race in in that dogfight against them merks rebel and
1: ferrari i think that's the impression that i got from the year <laughs> i think honestly they've they've not so much run out of cash as run out of steam in that they started the hybrid era so strongly being there with the the, the OP Mercedes engine, but they were the best um, Mercedes sort of independent team. But it, like, it was Mercedes, Williams, then Red Bull, then Ferrari for a distance. Last year, they were still in it. They were still there or thereabouts. But this year, other teams have stepped up. You know, Ferrari have, actually, have still been better than Williams, which says a lot given the kicking we're probably going to get ferrari in a little bit uh, red bull stepped right back up when people didn't expect them to and of course force india took another big step forward uh-huh. so they they are starting to they're almost like the the guys who start 100 meter sprint strong and then they start blowing by about the 50 50 to 60 meter mark and they're around there now you know they're almost like they started out they, they're just starting to fade now as others start to push forward again but to me I feel like the outcome may not be, well, the, the outlook might not be as bleak as we think if this deal with Mercedes, uh, well, regardless if this deal with Mercedes goes through, because they've got Lance Stroll coming in, who I think is, number one, far better than people are giving him credit for. Yep. This guy is not Maldonado 2.0. Yeah, he's Dad's ridiculously minted. This guy is 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 pretty good. He's got he's there on a, a certain degree of merit, but he's bringing a lot of cash to the team. Yeah, which is say, if anything,
2: the team needs. I would honestly for a, say a viable.
1: He's just as quick
2: as he is wealthy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also, <laughs> if ironically, if this uh, Mercedes deal goes through for Bottas, now obviously it leaves him with an, uh, an inexperienced driver potentially, or they'd have to get an experienced driver. Hence why there's now reports that they're trying to get Felipe Massa to come out of retirement. Um, but if the reports are true and there's a they get a big cut, uh, they'd have their prices, the price tag for their Mercedes engines cut, and they'd get Paddy Lowe in the deal. That's more on the sort of engineering, technical, and funding side. So that would help them as a team and operation. Do you see what Absolutely. I mean? So they've got to be careful how they play their cards here. But I think either way, Lance Stroll is going to be a big, a fairly big boost for the team. Indeed. But they, they uh, as for this year. Hmm just not where we expect such a team to be.
0: Bottas turned the screw in his battle against Felipe Massa as well. 85-53 on points scored on that split. Um, Bottas, I think, out-qualifying, I think it was 15-4 for the year as well with Bottas. So again, Bottas was starting to establish himself in that team a little bit more over Felipe Massa, who again, we're saying goodbye to him as well. I mean, he's a dependable, solid performer, but just hasn't got that same level of upside anymore that I think Valtteri has shown On many occasions, I mean, the fourth in Russia, the fifth in Spain, the third at Canada. Like, do you look at the the results and the upswing is definitely there with Bottas and Massa. With him, a lot of tens, a lot of nines, a lot of the odd seven here and there. I mean, Williams given the state of their car was pretty much right on the form book and only one podium for the year, less than force India got for the season for what it's worth. It's just a...
1: Yeah, mm. and I think the best way to describe Massa was that if Bottas and Perez as team leaders or best drivers for their team were fairly levelly matched. I think Perez got the better of their battle. Holkenberg was a far better second driver than Massa. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Like, it, like, I'll get this in a minute, but Holkenberg was not comprehensively beaten by Sergio Perez this year And compared to, no. compared to what happened at Williams. And, you know, I look forward to seeing how Lance Stroll gets on with the team. But uh, this is a team that could benefit maybe from sacrificing Val for the sake of their operation costs. Because,
1: you know... And if it means Paddy Lowe joining the
0: operation. Yeah, if it means Paddy Lowe coming back, if it means an engine discount, if it means, you know, having more engineering capabilities of Paddy Lowe under on the, your on the bracket and getting some cash back where that's concerned, it might it might be worth the sacrifice of Valtteri to make that happen. We'll have to wait and see. Ratings for Williams going
2: forward? Five. Yeah, five. So I think five's about so right. So, like, exactly what we expected to happen, like... Yeah, it was right on the form.
0: But I had a feeling we were going were to fall down the order a bit this year because they, they, they've always complained about the
1: money situation and they've always been... A... I, think, I, I think what uh, the surprise was, we, we didn't necessarily... Uh, the, the fact that they fell behind both Red Bull and Ferrari was not a surprise to anyone. I think the upturn of Force India was more of a surprise to them than we thought because we yes. thought Force India weren't, were going to struggle financially as well. There was a little bit of a question mark over Vijay Mallya and everything. So them taking a bigger upswing than we expected has knocked Williams down an extra spot and has made their season look a, Bit worse by comparison, which it yep. ended up being exactly.
0: See, I think five is, I think five is about right. I mean, I, 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 I could yeah, have yeah. called it that. Williams are going to fall down. You know, they've always struggled with money, and you know they've always that's always been the, the centric focus of their team
1: in recent well, times. Well, for the last few decades, yeah, at least. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, the glory days of them being the dominant team in the early nineties are a long way now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so fourth place and their greatest ever result in the constructors' championship. Force India team boys, team boys, <laughs> fourth overall. 173 points scored their highest ever for the constructors this season I'm, oh god, I'm sure lot of that is down to the 21 round calendar but even so by far and away their best season Sergio Perez cracking the 100 point mark for the first time in his career 101 good number from him and Nico Hulkenberg with 72 points um, in two spots back further in the championship but their best result, two podium finishes for the year. Um, one in Monaco and one the second in Baku, both from Sergio Perez. Sorry, Nico, it's just never going to happen, is it? Um, <laughs> his best result, ironically, was matching his career high, his fourth place in Belgium, just finishing behind Lewis Hamilton on that occasion. Um, but overall, I mean, I'll, we'll let Johnson take this one first because obviously this is his team. <laughs> but
1: overall, what a tremendous result for Force India. <laughs> I, I d- delighted to be honest with you. Like I say I call them team boys because both of my boys from F one are, are, are there. Well, until King came along and ruined everything, <laughs> yeah. uh, or rather King's team, the Renault team. But no, like I mean, it, it, it's typical of Hulkenberg's career. We were like, oh he's moving to Renault next year, factory team. It'll work out well for him. What's that? Mercedes got a seat open. They wanted Hulkenberg, but now he's tied down to Renault. Oh, oh damn it! Why? again that's just the story nico's entire career is he's like mark martin of f1 the ultimate bridesmaid but overall i think you've got to say um you know given i mean force india basically continued the upswing that they had from the middle of 2015 onwards Uh because they started 2015 in a bit of a tough spot it looked like they were going to be the latest victim of the big financial struggle Uh, But they introduced their B-Spec car and things really started, business really started to pick up. This year, they just kept that going. They just really continued with that momentum. They got a really strong and solid driver lineup. And to be honest with you, I think this year was the real sort of coming out party, like the second coming of Sergio Perez. Absolutely. Because for years, like he's always been one of my boys as like a sort of slightly eccentric, not eccentric, but like a sort of loose cannon talent. Um, But you know ever since 2013 there was that little there was that yeah, but about him Do you know what I mean? There was that yeah, but when we did put him in a big team He wasn't very good. This year was the year it was like, okay, Perez can actually lead a team at the top end of town. You know, he was a a good, a genuine team leader and franchise player. And it's not like Nico Hulkenberg is very bad. He's a very good driver in his own right as well. I think both of them were a solid combo. Uh, I think you know, momentum seems to be keeping going in the fact that for now at least, it looks like Esteban Ocon will be the replacement over there. And if Perez can keep his form going, I don't see why they can keep this momentum going i mean they have designs on breaking into the top three now good luck with that i say because it's <laughs> going to take another push beyond that massively but uh, you know you can't ask for any more this year i think i think they were pound for pound one of the best teams on the grid this year i think pound for, pound for the f- i think
0: pound for power they were the best team on the field this year for me i think i think Ooh. for for me when force maybe I'm,
1: I'm maybe i'm checking my bias a little maybe. bit too much here i think
0: for force <laughs> india for me I wrote this in my 2015 season review on my website where I said, I gave them a nine out of 10 as a team score. And I said... They're going to hit the wall at some point, but this was a tremendous season from Force India and showed just how great a, an outfit they can be, given all the adversity they've also had to struggle through to get to this point. And I kept thinking, yep. okay, they're going to hit the wall. They're going to hit the wall. And it just and they just it never just did. hasn't happened yet. And I, I don't know if next year will finally be the year where the rest of the factories behind them, like McLaren and Renault, and maybe even someone like Williams could catch back up again. But for now they are doing such an impressive job and i mean king any
2: two cents you want to add to this real quick before we go to the scores uh no nothing like no. nothing to really add unless i want to give my score first yeah go for it if you want uh i want to give them like you said earlier nine out of ten i'm with you on that i think nine out of ten's
0: about right. i think they are my prop nine for me as well i think they're probably my team of the year i think for me i think force india were were incredible, And it's, they had such a, they had a rough start, but they came back and they, they kicked ass and they were, they were just, they were consistently beating Williams throughout the, throughout the second half of the calendar. Perez ended the year finishing 11 out of the
1: last 12 races in the points. And like Perez mm. is the, and it's worth <laughs> noting when we, I mentioned this near at the time, uh, Perez easily had his best season in F1 in terms of points. And before we say, oh, well that was because it was a longer season. He had beaten his previous best ever total, uh, by about round seventeen or eighteen, yep. mm-hmm. so like it was it was beaten already before you factor in the extra races. So he had a phenomenal year for me. Absolutely, um, couldn't agree more with that. Into the top three and
0: maybe the <laughs> biggest disappointment of the Formula One season this year. <laughs> Dre, should we just
1: leave you to it for the next ten minutes? Feel free. Um, like, take a, take a breather. King, have you got some popcorn over there? Yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. Right. Ah, there we go. Right. Uh, So I get a beer for this. This is going to be fun. Are you two finished? Yeah.
0: Thank thank you.
1: Well, you're just getting started. So Shut
0: up. In third, Ferrari. 398 (laughs) points scored. That's not bad. Shut up. (laughs) 398 points scored. Their best result, they have five second place finishes. Um, Seconds in Bahrain for Kimi Raikkonen. Um, Second in China for Sebastian Vettel. Second in Catalonia for Raikkonen, and then two more second places in Canada and Baku for Seb. Um, It's it's let's cut to the chase here. This, given that it may have been our own fault for this one a little bit on this one, because Ferrari they had three wins last year. Vettel was one of the driver of the year contenders. He had a tremendous season by anyone's standards. There was genuine like positive feelings coming out of Marinello for the first time in forever. Uh, Probably since like the last year of Schumacher when there was such brightness coming out of that camp and that was more sombre anyway because of Schumacher's first retirement. But there was... I remember the end of that 2015 season and there was such positive upswing with Ferrari mm. going into the offseason. we okay, if we can make a few more gains here and there, if we can maybe turn three wins into six or seven, who knows what could happen next year? And it, was, mm. it wasn't an unfair expectation to have given how much progress no, they had made going into 2015 compared to 2014, where they were awful by their standards. But because on the face of it, third really isn't all that terrible, but we've we got to remember... The top six were a distant top six compared to everybody else. Ferrari had 225 more points this year. So more than two to one of the advantage of Force India that finished in fourth. The top three were a lot more distant this year compared to everybody
1: else. It was like 2003 all over again. Um, And they were... And a few times in the mm, second half of the season, Force India weren't a million miles away from them in terms of pace. they
0: were giving Ferrari some headaches every once in a while. And it says a lot about the state of Ferrari where they, they went backwards this year. They went from three wins to none. Yeah. And you know, they were, they were thoroughly beaten by Red Bull racing this year. Red Bull had a much brighter year in terms of an uptick by comparison. And there was legitimate frustration growing in that Ferrari camp. There was talk about Averbeni and Vettel apparently falling out because Vettel was quote unquote trying too hard. Yes, that (laughs) wasn't,
1: that was an actual thing. Um, only at ferrari in a situation but for me i think uh, you know from a from a from my perspective and i remember you know midway through the season i think it was after austria where you you had a real meltdown on this show about the strategy what was frustrating from a ferrari standpoint um was like i've i've, I've got in my notes here they went from the team most likely to dethrone mercedes to a laughing stock. They felt clueless at times and they... This, this is the worst thing. This is what makes them such a disappointment. Even when points and potential wins were on the table, they threw them away. Spain arguably could have been their... should have been their best chance at win. Um, Australia Australia was a fantastic chance for a win for them threw it away the Austria strategy gap it was just time and again their strategies made no sense potential podium for Raikkonen in Singapore went away due to hesitating too long on the undercut The just the Spa first corner incident where they ran into each other I mean technically that was, Verstappen was involved in that as well but it just time and again it, it wasn't just that you know we expected them potentially to give Mercedes more of a run for their money and they didn't it's they, they weren't even still the second best team they fell back and inexcusably so yes. at times you know what I mean they made mistakes that not even novice teams do you know what I mean like at times it was only at the final race in Abu Dhabi that you finally saw a coherent pitch strategy for them that nearly paid exactly. off and it, you're like
0: Where's this been all year? Yeah, that—that that was. I was just about to make that exact point. That it showed that when Ferrari did get it right, they are still capable of upsetting the Apple car. As Vettel was, Vettel actively took a decision not to win a Grand Prix because he didn't want to get involved in the title fight. As he later admitted, that you know he didn't want to get involved with Rosberg because he knew he was in front of him. Um, and that was a race that Vettel very well could have had a shot at winning. Maybe Hamilton ups the pace if he finds out if Ferrari's in front of him to protect the win. Who knows? But. In any case, Ferrari gave Mercedes a headache, and that is what was the point of
1: 2015. They did that constantly throughout 2015. And this, It felt like they kind of rejuvenated F1 in 2015 by being the team to truly stand up to Mercedes. And I think, you know, is it an unfair expectation to expect them to, to do that again this year and maybe more? Not really, given we're talking about Ferrari. Or, may, or maybe no. we've
0: been overrating Ferrari all along
1: well I don't know you know these are teams that have had dominant periods in F1 not in quite recent memory there were champions as recently as 2008 mm-hmm. um I, I nearly could have been in 2012 you know this is a top tier team I I don't you know like I say I we could have accepted it had it they been on a similar part to 2015 but they weren't even that
2: in which is the real disappointment
1: King anything to add or do you want to give your score
2: uh I'll just give my score I want to go six
0: I think he's been generous I'm gonna say five I, five I, I, okay um
2: I I, like, I wrote down three wow I, I mean, like at least they showed up like the first half of the season the, <laughs> first, half the, the season, first half of the season the, the way year. you said that at least they turned up like, yeah, a, a one. I mean,
1: it's like in exams where you get at least a mark for
2: writing your name rightly correctly like the first half of the season if they somehow like were that consistent at getting second places all year it wouldn't have been that bad. <laughs> Yeah they tanked pretty badly over the summer break Uh
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things where I just feel like okay, it wasn't a complete disaster, and as King said, they were actually pretty solid in the first half of the season. It was the second half that was really a dumpster fire. A lot of fours, a lot of fives, a lot of sixes, a lot of nines, where
1: that's concerned. And it, and it's those inexcusable moments where they threw away good yeah, results like when Ferrari they weren't you know I mean? bad. They were more frustrating than straight up bad. Yeah.
0: But even so disappointing year for them where that's concerned and it's a shame because again they have that Raikkonen for what it's worth was excellent this year Raikkonen was yeah Raikkonen was
1: much improved this year uh, it's like in 2015 we wondered what he had done to earn a contract extension for 2016 this year when it was announced he was having his contract extended <laughs> again no one questioned no, it
0: absolutely deserved and I mean for a guy who's 37 years old, now the oldest driver in the field. Even more so now, Jensen Button has retired. Um, well, so we think uh, has, has retired. I mean, he's still kicking it, and he like, maybe he's just slow to adapt to these cars, and he's a slow learner. But it looks like he's getting up to speed, and he's and he's, he's asking more questions of Vettel, and out outqualify Vettel for the year as well, 11 to 10. So that says a lot. I mean, Raikkonen still has a spark there that you know a lot of fans want him to have, and. Yeah, it was sixth overall, but he was in that mix with Verstappen and Vettel overall in the in the construct on the driver championship this year. So a, a, overall, a very solid season from from Raken and Indeed, and it's a shame that the car just wasn't there for them this year, especially in the second half of the season. The, the runners up, the distant runners up, second place, Red Bull Tag Heuer Racing, and um, again, three drivers throughout the year because they had Kivyat until around Spain until some guy called Max Verstappen took over apparently he did all right um, <coughs> 468 <laughs> points scored their best result again they had two wins to their name um, the, the win in Catalonia when both Merck started to play suicide squad and the second win <laughs> being at Sepang when Lewis Hamilton started to play suicide squad of his engine um, and <laughs> and that was a one-two finish for Red Bull that day. So that was probably the best result on paper because because, um, Verstappen followed them home in second place that day. But um, Red Bull they had a very disappointing 2015 by their standards. They, they dropped to fourth yeah. overall. The car just wasn't there. Ricardo's amazing 2014 season got neutered. Um, Kvyat was probably the bright spark of what was otherwise quite a mediocre team overall. This year, they seem to have found the right foot and have gotten back up on the wagon again. They weren't really a threat to Mercedes throughout the year, but they were the best of the rest, and I guess that, I guess that counts for something. <laughs>
1: Hey. Well, I've actually got them down as uh, on a par. You guys were very decisive in saying Force India were the for the, were the team of the year. I've got Red Bull at least on the same par.
2: Yeah, simply that's because, why I was very uh, hesitant to give Force India a nine, because well, I thought Red Bull were at least, like, pretty close to them. Well, simply
1: because, you think about it, at the end of last year... Red Bull appeared to be, if anything, in a tailspin. You know, A.G. Nui departing. There was the huge drama over the engines. You know, they were unhappy with Renault, but no one else wanted them. So then they had to sort of have that awkward sort of post-divorce settlement with Renault and make it tag Heuer, whatever it was. People were saying, you know, if anything, this was, you know, in such a power unit dependent era it's true red bull if anything we're going to be vulnerable and we're going to be in trouble and you know red bull it was one of those years where it was like everything they touched turned to gold in terms of you know daniel ricardo was very very good i mean arguably he could have had two wins the monaco yeah. win that i mean that knocks a point or, or at least half a point of the fact that they goofed up at that the biggest was a race of the a year mental
2: goof the oh, biggest they, of the they, season. i mean
1: yeah they, they, and we'll be coming back to that well, uh, later arguably. on um and the fact that you know they took a you know they had a solid lineup anyway, but they went, Oh, hey, you know what? We're going to give Max Verstappen what he wants. Nobody really agreed with it. it was it, was it a questionable decision? It paid off in its first race. Yeah. You know, this is like for anyone else, this could, they could have fallen flat on their faces, and everyone's like, "Ha! I first told year. you so." No, it first worked. Yeah, you know first what I mean? A year and a half. Yeah, but him.
2: but I don't know. Like like this, when the race happened, I did say, "Kvyat." Probably could have got that one as well because he did get fastest lap on that day.
0: He did funny in that but you know I'm not sure how well Kvyat would have fared if he hadn't lost his job I think Kvyat is still a solid driver and I think his confidence has forever been damaged by this but and I I almost want to punish him for it but I can't because Verstappen was just that good throughout especially through
1: the second half of the year and I mean he had a dick. Whi- he drove like a dick <laughs> <He absolutely laughs> and become like himself off well but he still got results yeah. that's my point that was the story of Red Bull's year you can question the things around well, it their results. business ethics the way they conducted but ultimately it's still all paid off for them you know what i mean yeah absolutely and again you you make you made of
0: johnson you made some valid points there and i didn't i didn't acknowledge that fully myself that very much so red bull like there was a lot of question marks going into this team this year, given what happened last year when they fell down the field. But Stappen was knocking on the door again. The, the, the Renault power unit struggles; they were struggling through the first four races of the year. Adrian Newey departed the team, and yet here they are, second place overall. They did give Merckx a good run for their money on multiple occasions. I mean, I didn't realize this, but looking at the the amount of second place finishes this year one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times a Red Bull finished actually eight times, nine. times Times. And near yeah. the end
1: of the year, they weren't that far away from Mercedes on raw yeah, pace, were they? Nine
0: separate occasions did Red Bull upset the apple cart by not making it a Mercedes one-two, and for that, I applaud them. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, overall, Red Bull struggling for adversity, I think is the best way to summing up their team for the right now.
1: So for me, eight
0: point five. I'd yeah, have probably said
1: eight point five. I, I just. I was going to go 9, but I'll, I'll happily go 8.5. Uh, I, I'd, have,
0: I'd have said 9 if it wasn't for the Monaco goof-up, which was a blatantly a win. The, 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 that was the biggest, yeah. biggest goof-up <laughs> of the season, arguably. Well, actually, yeah, that and Verstappen's at Cota wasn't particularly great, and that was more Verstappen's fault than anything else. Uh, yeah, but the fact it was Monaco,
1: and they had the win in their grasp oh, basically. The
2: at that point. It was just... Yeah, oh. it was the second year in a row, pit lead shenanigans to the side of the Monaco Grand Prix. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. But uh let's t- let's talk about the juggernaut briefly, shall we? Uh Mercedes, the constructors champions for the third consecutive season. Um points total. Um <clears throat> a new Formula 1 record, 765. That is 297 <laughs> more than Red Bull Racing. Um one <laughs> two city.
1: Yeah, one two city. <laughs> Um, wins so op that even when their drivers started at the back, it didn't matter. Wins, one two city, yeah. The most, the
0: most yep. wins of any F one team in a season ever with nineteen victories, nineteen out of twenty one. One of the most dominant F one seasons for sheer result count we've ever seen. To be fair, only six one two, only only seven one two finishes this year compared to the eleven they had last year. That's true. But even so. It didn't really matter because I think the rest of the teams that Ben below them were beating each other up half the time. When yeah, Even when yeah. Mercedes did have vulnerable moments, they still got the results they needed. I mean, Rosberg didn't. Hamilton had a terrible start the to the year. The other teams tripped
1: over each other to try and take advantage when Mercedes slipped. Yeah, split.
0: Hamilton had a terrible start to the year. Then he won five out of six. Rosberg had the poor, you know between summer break and Spain moments. And then after that, Rosberg just destroyed everybody in terms of consistency. Um, and again, four one, two finishes to close out the season for seems like they were right back on form again after, a, you know, some moments of vulnerability throughout the season, but you know, Mercs are still the juggernauts. And I guess Red Bull were close again towards the end of last season, but how how is anybody going to beat this team over over a 20 race calendar that's all i want to know like, what's it going to take um like is is losing how is losing rossberg going to be a massive
1: deal for them depending on who the second driver is going to be is that what it's going to come down to here uh, it may let someone else in potentially to take points off them mm-hmm. but that's about it uh, i mean you know it, it just depends how big an arrow shake up will happen next year and how much arrow becomes a factor again in the in the uh, in the regulations, because the last few years it's been power unit dominated. From right from the off, Mercedes have set a benchmark that no one else can even live with. I mean, they discussed it in Abu Dhabi. Mercedes are so overpowered with their power unit; they're so OP they can run. Equal, you know, it's it's no good other teams going, "Oh, we'll make up for it with downforce." Mercedes can run just as much downforce and still put out more power than you because their engine is that good. That, Do you and know that, what I mean? So I, they've just got, and that might be the they've got such a complete all rounder mm. car. But for me, what's interesting about Mercedes is that. They almost don't have any right not to be the perfect ten, but they're not. Yeah, like, actually, when you've got a car that OP, they, they left the, the door fact open. that there was quite a few times they felt conservative on strategy. I mean, the Singapore moment was was a real moment that really revealed a lot that about was Mercedes that in that right of, there. Yeah, and, and they kind of feel like sometimes the team or the guy i don't know if you've ever seen this it's normally if you're playing your parents at a video game yeah. or something where you sort of go a little bit or, you know vice versa whoever it is it may be you that's way better than your parents at a video game or vice versa and they sort of go oh well i, I, I i'll i'll go easy on you Do you know what <laughs> i mean not that i'm yeah. saying mercedes went easy on the field but a few times they went a bit conservative as if to say no nah, let's do that let's just make sure and that sort of opened up chance for others it's like no you can do what you want. You're Mercedes.
2: Pretty much. Do you know what I mean? Pretty much. Or for longtime fans, you know, the old IGP idiom. If, if you have the fastest car, it doesn't matter what strategy you're going to use. You're going to win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, and also what was interesting for me is that, like...
1: There was the, again. It felt like at times during the season there was a, a lack of order between the two drivers, mostly from Lewis Hamilton, but Nicky Lauda seemed to be contrarian yeah, at times. Like the, to- Wolf felt like a sort of school teacher, like a a, a a stressed out school like, teacher at times. I'm not,
2: and for the dominant team in the sport, that's a weird look. Yeah, I'm not going to give Mercedes a ten specifically no, for, for the for the Spanish Grand Prix. Like that is the that is the mm. massive blemish on their record. That start.
1: Yeah, you, you had two times in the year where both drivers ran into each other you had multiple times where Hamilton went rogue on the team that to me I don't know it's, it's almost a case of in that respect where the team were conservative because they were so OP the drivers he, weren't uh, because they were so OP he, do you know what I mean they, they you, know. you know what
0: it is it's complacency because they've not had a threat in three years that's what that is they've not had mm. a threat and this year their closest threat from last year was no exactly okay here's how here's here's my logic and I'll give, I'll give you my score at the end of this talk Mercs are a, a, a team of complacents and the thing is they've always shown cracks in terms of their management or in this case mismanagement. They can't handle their, the, the two egos of their drivers. Hamilton has always been a fawn in the Mercedes side and he ignored team orders again this season and the team were more than reasonable in their order at Abu Dhabi to tell Hamilton to hurry the hell up because Vettel was coming from behind and was taking Verstappen with him that like they they made a dog's dinner of Singapore where they very nearly cost themselves a win so they could get Hamilton back on the fucking podium and that would have looked awful if that had actually if Ricardo wins that race we're asking some serious questions about Mercedes strategy calls at that point yeah. but where, where like talk of, of like legitimate race rigging would have been valid questions to ask at that point in time. And of course, the Spanish Grand Prix where they, where they had the double DNF and the ugly look where that left behind. I'm going to... Th-
1: and Austria oh, as well, the final lap in Austria. Austria as
0: well, where the brake failure and then, you know, the booze where that was concerned and Rosberg getting thrown under the bus for a legitimate car failure, etc., 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 I'm going to go nine. I'm going to take half a point off for the Spanish Grand Prix and half a point for Singapore. Because I think that despite the fact that it was a one-three, the team badly handled that situation. And it could have looked I feel stupid. like even
1: in Abu Dhabi, their conservatism came into play. They were way They stalled quite a lot on letting both drivers out of the pits. And that put Verstappen in between Rosberg at one yeah. point or in front of Rosberg at some point. Again, it just felt to me like, you don't need to do this. Your Mercedes. Do you know what yep. I mean? Absolutely.
0: So I'm going to say nine. Me personally. Yeah, I'm going nine. Eight
1: point five.
0: I'm a little bit higher. Okay, harder. fair enough. So overall, um, yeah, that will just about do. I mean, any other? made like what was your favourite moment of the season then? Well, I think, well I, think, I, think, I think me and King might do a hangout about this like over Christmas or the new year to talk about the F1 season in general. That's not a bad
1: shout. I think I think from a personal standpoint, uh, the Perez podium at Monaco was, that was wonderful as, as, as a fan. That was cool. Uh, I think, you know, the racing quality at times was much improved. Yep. Uh, it needed to be. Uh, Singapore, I enjoyed again. I, I seem to be the only person who likes the Singapore Grand Prix at this <laughs> point. The season finale was genuinely yeah, very good. The season finale was I really great. liked it. Best race of the year. Yeah, and then And there were a few races this year with, you know, what F1 has lacked in quite a few seasons was genuine intrigue from first lap to last. Absolutely. You know, and there was genuine mystery and battles for position, especially in Australia. The first few Grand Prix were ripper. And then things started to settle in, but we still got some corkers near the end of the season. Brazil was absolutely manic. It was the best and worst of Formula One in one afternoon. So a pretty, pretty fun. It got tedious at times, but I think, like I said in the review of the final Grand Prix, you had two versions of the season going on what you perceived what we perceived just watching it ourselves and the narrative if you go by the narrative it was fucking insufferable if you go by what you were seeing it was all right yeah had some fun I've, moments. i said it before like it's like monday night raw basically it's like monday night raw you'll sit through a f- four or five weeks of tedious episodes and then one ripper will come along and go
0: all right there there Amen. we go you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah. for me this I, 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 I did a season review on the, on the website I called, it, I called it the year F1 picked its nose because we had to get <laughs> I, I, I use that analogy because it, it was a year where you had to pick through a lot of ugly shit but the good stuff in there was still very good on many occasions. The the three tire weekend plan, the positive side of Max Verstappen, you know, Brazil, Mexico, Abu Dhabi were all got, you know, all at yeah, moments. Mean, for, Australia, for every, Spain, Canada was pretty good too for races. China was pretty darn good for a race as well.
2: Like, <laughs> like speaking of the three tire compounds, you just reminded me of the fact that we even had like Eliminator Quali this year. <laughs>
1: Let's not... Oh, <laughs> you no. had to bring that up. <laughs> why? Because <laughs> it happened. That's, that's so F1. It's like one step forward, one step right back into the dumpster bin full of and needles. And now do you
0: see why I call it like picking your nose? Because for all the shit we had to deal with like the bad side of Max Verstappen, the qualifying debacle and, you know, the in being a frigging joke throughout the entire season. There was oh, some good shit there too. Um, it's one of those things. So for me... Um, this season I think will go down as one where on the face of it you think it might be quite bad but in the long run I think it will actually
1: go down quite well at least that's what I like to think it's been the best one of the last few years I, I you know it's not on the 2012 level but it's been one of the better ones since 2012 of the hybrid era for me
0: I mean I think
1: yeah uh, the yeah, last
0: yeah. three years since you have had the V6 hybrids I think it's been the best season we've had so far I said me and King we'll inevitably we'll, we'll talk about the season I think a bit more I think we, me and him are planning a Google Hangout so probably somewhere around New Year's kind of time yeah. we'll, 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 mm. we'll, we'll thrash or sort of plan out for that kind of shit that'll always be fun and um, yeah that'll just about do it for our talk about effort one in 2016 for the most part after this we'll come back and wrap up the year of the motorsport 101 awards friendly neighborhood jimmy jimmy kibble mr andre harrison and welcome to the first motorsport 101 award ceremony um woo, yeah. yeah thank you thank you thank you
2: king come on man. i'm just here so i don't get fined
0: <laughs> <laughs> i see how this is king <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I expect a large donation into the tip jar at the end of the night. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, thank you, one and all. So welcome to, to your to the Motorsport 101 Awards. I am your host, Mr. Andre Harrison. But I've also got a po-host, Mr. Adam Johnson. Hello, sir.
1: Take the stage. <laughs> Hello. Yes, I, it was my idea to do these yes. awards, so, you know, I, I'm going to do this. Basically, how this is going to work, we've got a bunch of categories. I was hoping to open this one up to uh, listener votes or anything, but we... Uh, didn't have a chance Maybe to probably year. set it through it would have been too much of a rush job so what we're going to do here is basically we've got a bunch of nominations here I wrote most of these I took some suggestions from the other two here um, and in each category there will be room for one wildcard nomination which would include series that we don't normally talk about on Motorsport 101 of course the trio or the, but the trio mainly is F1 IndyCar and MotoGP but for example if there's stuff from Formula E NASCAR even though we've kind of Uh, even i've kind of given up on it um but you know what i mean so there's there's other nominations from outside we can bring that in basically the simple formula will be i'll read out each award and the nomination dre and king will give their votes if they're split on it i will have deciding vote but if they agree then there there's the winner so it's kind of a democracy over here i'm kind of neutral until i'm not if that makes sense so um should we get this thing started
0: so johnson your first award
1: Uh, Well, I'm going to start with one that was quite fun. I I like these. These are a mix of positive. It's kind of like uh, I heard a quote from Matthew, the guy behind Botchamania. He said with his attitude towards wrestling, he said, I love it when it's good. I laugh at it when it's bad. That's the sign of these awards. And I like to think a a kind of way we look at the uh, the podcast as a whole. So let's start with uh, one of the positive ones. The race of the year. Ah. Now, the nominees are the 2016 Indianapolis 500, mm-hmm. the hundred, 100th running of the great race. Damn it, Connors. Is it the uh, great? Sorry. <laughs> um, sticking with IndyCar, we've got the Firestone 600 at Texas, a race that lasted three yeah. months, and boy, was it worth the wait mm-hmm. in the end. Uh, we have three nominations from F1, which I think is more than most people were expecting. Uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, and the Australian Grand Prix. And from MotoGP, we have the, what would it have been the Dutch TT yep, at awesome. up, Yep. So those are your six nominations. Your votes or your other nominations, please.
2: Uh,
1: well, nominations.
2: Uh, I, I, my, my vote is going to be for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I'm sorry, but I have to wow. vote for my boy. I have <laughs> to vote for my boy.
1: Of course you do. <laughs> King and def- oh yeah I should also mention there's no way this is going to be impartial <laughs> not, not, in, not in the like, do, do people, you just wait until Sergio Perez is nominated do people listen
0: to this show expected impartiality at this point We've gone through 70 fucking episodes at this point. People know who we support, okay? (laughs) Shut up. Yeah, we've made that perfectly clear. (laughs) If you don't know this by now, why
1: are you listening to us? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right, okay. So uh, King's got his uh, nomination. Not a bad pick. See, for me...
0: If it was purely a Formula 1 award, I too would have gone for Abu Dhabi. So I think that's not a bad shout. I have to go for GP and Assen personally because I think Jack Miller's miracle win, I mean, for the record again, I'll say it one more time, he was 1,000 to 1 to win that Grand Prix going into it on the Thursday morning. And for him to win that Grand Prix in, a, in a, one of the most dramatic MotoGP races, a race that Yoni Hernandez could have very well have won at one point. A race that was stopped for rain, had four or five different guys in contention for, for the win up and down. It was Scott Redding very nearly won that race. He was too busy taking time out mm. of his life to bone about 15 fangirls. Um, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> on top of that, just overall, a, a miracle win for Jack Miller and one of the most entertaining and enthralling
2: MotoGP races I've ever seen in the top class. So no, for me. No, I have a quick rebuttal. Oh. My race was Nico Rosberg's final race. Your race led to the birth of the Shoei. Abu Dhabi it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I guess this uh, now tests my deciding vote feature. Um, I'm... Dre. I'm surprised you didn't go for the Firestone 600. There's a... was it Ray Hall?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Was it Ray Horn? Listen, it's, mo- it's my nomination. It's my rules. Any race that Graham Ray Hall wins is automatically exempt. <laughs> Even one as good as that. That's nice as good as that. Because I didn't friggin' win, did he? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, okay then. Um, my. I, I guess my personal pick uh, probably would have been the Indy 500. But if we're going for a deciding vote here. Um, Purely for the fact that it was so much more fascinating and exciting than perhaps we thought it was going to have any right to be. And the fact that it was perhaps the first F1 championship decider in... Two whole years. since uh, Two whole years. No, 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 no. You didn't let me finish that sentence. Since 2008, where it went down to the final lap... I'm going with Abu Dhabi for... Yes!
0: <laughs> oh, well. Okay. And considering it I was like no the- bias
1: in that, King. It's not just for you, mate. Not just for me. Yeah, uh,
0: to, be, to be fair, it was the only F1 race I gave a 9 out of 10 or higher to this year. So I can't really argue with a 9 out of 10 race being race of the year. So for me i i'm okay with that i would like to give an honorable mention to the rolex 24 for yes. this year as well yeah. which had it which was a, i mean i don't think it's really fair to give an endurance race a race of the year title because i mean you've got 24 hours worth of potential highlights but there were so many incredible I mean, moments the fact in that, that most race of the
1: classes came down to last lap battles I mean, Incredible. Uh, people, uh, the prototype class was like 20 seconds at the flag. The Corvettes had a photo finish in GTLM. GTD was settled with two to get... Well, that was a, a fuel mileage run to the... Light. Yeah, that was a good race. That was a good race. Uh, so let, we move on to the next award, which is the Scotty Award. Now, this is oh. prestigious. And um, the name of this award comes from... We made a big deal about this. Uh, yes. V8 Supercar driver Scott McLaughlin, who this year, I mean, he's not actually nominated, but he's kind of won by default by giving the award its name. By pulling yes. off basically the pass of the year anywhere in any series uh, at the Gold Coast 600 in the V8 Supercars this year, die bombing the shit out of Mark Winterbottom, almost 45 degrees sideways, all four wheels locked up. Did he make the pass? Yes, he did. It was amazing. Yes. So on the spot i was like well uh, i just started calling various (coughs) passes and die bombs the scotty so now it has to be fair that we have the scotty award for best pass the nominations Mm -hmm. are oh god
2: rosberg on max verstappen in abu dhabi and we know what just just a reminder to everyone it's a pleasure just to be nominated oh oh oh,
0: word! you've (laughs) already got yours well (laughs)
1: shut
2: up well uh we then flip the
1: names around for the next one. Max Verstappen on Nico Rosberg at Silverstone. Um, mm-hmm. Simon Pagano on Willpower at Mid Ohio in IndyCar. Uh, Valentino Rossi on Mar- Marquez at Catalunya in the Catalan Grand Prix. Simon Pagano again. So a good year for him for the IndyCar champ. Uh, on Graham Rayhall at Barber Motorsports Park. And um, the one Dre won't pick. Graham Rayhall on James Hinchcliffe to win the race in texas oh fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> it was a good pass. it won the. Yeah. i nominated a verstappen one anyway <sighs> yeah your,
2: your your picks champs Rosberg on verstappen <laughs> oh, God. i I, I, well, I for one am shocked, uh,
1: shocked Pray, no pressure, but i'm basically gonna have to agree with whatever you pick by default <laughs> wow <laughs> I'm sorry, King. I can't be having a Rosberg lockout here.
0: See, honestly, the thing is, is that King's actually got a valid claim on this one. Because in the context of the championship and Rosberg knowing he had to make that move really to have a real chance of winning the title and risk Vettel coming from behind and him basically being a sitting duck. In the context of that, with to, to take that pass, to take that level of risk with a championship on the line and to pass him as cleanly and brilliantly as he did, it was a stunning move and the pass I said on Twitter, the pass of a world champion and that, that was a world championship winning pass and... It's between that and the like. The one that was sheer nuts on the table was basically Verstappen for Rosberg at Silverstone. But mm, in the context of the championship and what it meant, I have to agree with Ryan (laughs) King. I'm going to go Nico
1: Rosberg or Max Verstappen in Abu Dhabi. (laughs) There you go. So that's. I mean, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix is having a good time of it so far. And yeah, uh, so is Nico Rosberg. Is. <laughs> um, so Nico Rosberg Bastard. is your inaugural winner of the Scotty Award. Enjoy it. It's um, it's uh, a trophy in the shape of jandle, except no one knows what jandle actually is. Um, uh, actually, it's no, it's one of Scott McLaughlin's shredded tyres off its Volvo. Uh, Scott, mm-hmm. if you want to send me that, I'll actually make the trophy. My address is um, <laughs> anyway. So six 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 dumpster fire Avenue, uh, Dartford. Uh, you didn't have to say the dumpster here, but people got that from Dartford. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to I've
0: been there. He ain't wrong. On to
1: <laughs> most improved. Now, this is an interesting topic. We had quite a few debates as to who to nominate for this one. Um, mm. This is based a lot on it, it. It's kind of subjective. It's hard to quantify improved in terms of resu- pure results. Was it the car doing a lot of the work? Was it a perception thing? However, we do have five nominations for this one. Oh, dear. Nico Rosberg. Again? <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen. Mm. Simon Pagano, Maverick Vinales. And Brad Binder.
2: Okay. This is tough. Just, just so everyone knows, I'm not voting for Nico Rosberg in this time. I'm voting for my <laughs> other boy, Simon Pagino. <laughs> <laughs> You have three boys in this because you have Brad Binder oh, yeah, as true. well.
0: You're
1: fucking spoiled for I choice here, I to put Sergio Perez in there, but no one would listen to me.
0: No, Force India are actually good now. <sighs> um, uh, I'm between. I'm split between Simon Pagano and Brad Binder because Pagano in an IndyCar field where a lot of the field, despite the entertainment, actually kind of petered out around the same.
1: Pagano was the real landslide marquee improver. And was, a year it was more the fact that he went from basically the fourth driver at Penske oh. and under pressure for his seat to champion.
0: This is my nomination. Shut up, Johnson. <laughs> I <just> thought <laughs> I'd have my two cents. Yeah, shut up. This is this is an impartial award. <coughs> um, I'm Nobody believes uh, that.
2: And what Brad Binder went from? Uh, what? third... No, that was his fourth season last year. 2015 was his fourth mm. season, and he, what he had a four-podium season. Comes in next year and wins the championship.
0: Wins championship with
2: seven races and two of the finest
0: performances in the history of Moto3 on top of that as well. I'm... Ooh, I'm on the fence here. Um... Pagina was brilliant this year in IndyCar. I mean, genuine contract killer kind of form. Uh, was ruthless. Did everything he needed to do to win that title. And then some... Brad Binder... The Brad Binder of 15 and 16 is like a different man. It, it, it was incredible. Um, that doesn't include the shaved head either. But, um, <laughs> I'm going to say Brad Binder. So, you know what? It's your call, Johnson.
2: The Binder or well, King's not going to lose either <laughs> yeah. way, is he? <laughs>
0: no,
1: you fucking... <laughs> this is so-and-so. <laughs> um, for for impartiality's sake, I think why I was going to give not the nod, but a little bit of a tip of the hat to Kimmy Reikman. Because like I said earlier, he went from, why the hell have they re-signed him for 2016, to, oh, that's why. Um, but in yeah. this context, uh, this is really tough. This is really, they're both really good choices. But honestly, uh, I don't know if it was its because I, I saw more of this and there was more of the story going into the season in terms of it was literally a case of the weakest member of this team will get cut and everyone's eyes were on this guy. So what does he do? He wins the championship. Good way to keep Roger in your contract there. I'm going with Simon Pagano for this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, King approves it. He was going to approve of either one. Yeah,
0: yep. yeah. He, 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 well, so at least he can also that one slide is over. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I guess is the, the, like does that count for anything here? Um, I mean, yeah, fair play, Simon Pagenaud. We, again, we've talked about it before. He was tremendous this year. He dominated the Cards championship. I think he led the
1: championship from start to finish. Um,
0: did he lead every single round, King? I
1: think he did, uh, didn't he? Yeah, he made, not after the first one because he uh, Montoya won the oh, first race. Yeah, no,
0: no, 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 yeah, because Montoya won the opening round at St. Pete. yeah has a good shout. Well I remembered, and then he bossed it um, after that, basically. Then, then after that, he, he, he just didn't look back. It was just insane. Um, just a. Fun Phenomenal year so yeah i'm in a, in a field where a lot of the guys stay stay solid Pagano was a different man this year as well so tremendous job from him so yeah i, I i've gotten the problem of that congratulations simon pagino so
1: next up we have the individual drive of the year i could think of a fancy name for this but there was no scotty in this case but it's oh. the individual one-off drive <clears throat> the nominees are oh, for crying out loud
2: Nico Rosberg, Singapore. Everyone, uh, It's a pleasure just to be nominated. King, shut up. Shut the fuck up. I'll
1: I'll just get this other one out of the way as well. Brad Binder in (laughs) Hereth. Yep. Um, Maverick Vinales at the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Uh Joseph Newgarden at the Iowa Corn Indy 300. That's with a broken clavicle, by the way. Alexander Rossi to win the Indy 500. And Daniel Ricciardo in china so not the race he won Ah. but the chinese race that he finished fourth those are your nominations your thoughts
0: i am going to go individual driver of the year i'm going to go with joseph newgarden in iowa i think that was one of the most dominant single indie car performances i've ever seen at one point he'd had the entire field lapped up into sixth place um Newgarden garden led 282 out of 300 laps at
1: indycar record and at one point didn't just... he have the entire field a lap down
2: yes
0: everybody yeah yeah yeah, yeah the entire field, I think, up to third i think was a lap down it was absolutely insane i have to rewatch that race just to see new garden just absolutely tear a hole into the entire field um it, it was incredible so for me I mean, Binder's was up there as well. His performance in Hareth was the real coming to America moment for Brad Binder, really, in terms of just how friggin' insane he had become and just the improvement. Of, and I was getting the best out of him. But for me, I think New Garden just stands out that much more.
2: <laughs> King? Yep. Yeah. Gotta go with Nico Rosberg at the 2016 Singapore Grand Prix because, <laughs> des- <I, geez. laughs> despite his team nearly costing him the race, he was able to plow a victory that was ended up being pretty crucial to his championship run.
0: How? How
1: can you say this with a straight face?
2: <laughs> I mean, bias or
1: not, he's got a bit of a point. Shut up! <laughs> Just because Sebastian imagine I Vettel's swear- not been nominated for any of these yet. <laughs> Listen, there was a perfectly good reason
0: for this. His season was shit, okay?
1: <laughs> and believe me, now, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, I've got casting vote again. I thought you were going to be unanimous. Oh, man. Uh, oh, no, you, you weren't it's, it's, unanimous it's for the Scotty. It's
0: weird, because, it, it's, it's weird because me and King normally are cut from quite similar cloths on this one. Is that, not when King's
1: been... boys are involved.
0: No, clearly not. <laughs> <long> <laughs> um,
1: uh, and it's put me in a tough spot as well. Uh, but... Uh, I'm going to go with my gut feeling on this one in that it blew me away as much as it did everyone else here and was kind of like it's not only significant for what actually happened in the race, but it was more a sort of confirmation that this guy is an absolutely mega talent, the real deal and can dominate when he absolutely has to. I'm going with Joseph Newgarden, Iowa.
2: Damn it. <laughs> yes. I, look, King, it's close. You know? Like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm just trying to get as many of these as possible because there isn't going to be, there's literally not going to be a next year. Oh, for <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you no, said no, there's no, not no,
1: going to be any awards next year. I'm like, uh, excuse me.
0: <laughs> we're scrapping the fan vote. We're scrapping it.
1: <laughs> Effective immediately. So, Joseph Newgarden wins his first award of this year. All good. Um, uh, we've got some of the entertaining ones coming up, but we've just got, uh, this one here, which has only got quite a small grid because this really was not a good year for first timers, but still we do have the rookie of the year award and the nominees are kind of obvious. They were the kind of rookies of the year and runners up in F1 and IndyCar. There wasn't really any in MotoGP. Sorry, Tito Rabat. Um, (laughs) uh, so we had... Alexander Rossi, IndyCar's Rookie of the Year, mainly because of winning one race. I mean, that race was the Indy 500. Uh, Connor Daly, who was running up in the IndyCar Rookie of the Year standings. Julian Palmer, who won the Rookie uh, of the uh, Year in F1. I guess. Off a three three-year tie-breaker. Tie-breaker. <laughs> of three-way tie-break. <laughs> With uh, And one of the others involved in that tiebreak is the other nominee, Pascal Wehrlein, who's now a dead set for Mercedes, but isn't weirdly so this is a bit of a, a weird kind of low-key award but still your picks
0: I am going against the grain here I am going to say Connor Daly because really? he That's outpointed a... Alex, I, 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 and the reason I say this is because he Brandon, outpointed Alexander
1: out <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> shut up <laughs> shut up As <laughs> I was saying I'm, I'm, I'm going for Connor Daly because on the points when it comes to points on rounds where there was not bubble points involved, Daly outpointed Rossi by over 60 points this year. Like, I, okay, I get it. He'll, he'll like Rossi will always have the 500, but the better driver over the course of the season was Connor Daly. So I'm going to go for Connor Daly. And I don't care if an angry Bostonian
2: comes on my head in two weeks time. <laughs> oh, I was about to say that's against the grain. I'm, I'm also going to vote for Connor Daly. <laughs>
1: Yeah! Yes! I won't have to decide this one. All right! Connors
2: won't kill me.
1: <laughs> Until later, anyway. So, there you go. Connor Daly is your unanimous rookie of the year. Danny Brennan right now and Lizzie Worth, they're just, well, just like, yay. Suck
0: it, Connors!
1: <laughs> Brennan's probably running around in circles. He's probably doing that Homer Simpson thing. You know that way Homer Simpson runs around in circles on the floor? <laughs>
3: yes. <laughs>
1: He's doing that right now. <laughs> Lizzie Worth probably doing something similar. So, Absolutely. yeah, I mean, deserving win for Conor Daly, unanimous. And um, I, I don't have to be that guy by voting for Rossi. Uh, not that I was going to. I <laughs> kind of agree with Daly, to be honest with you. And it's not like <laughs> even the F1 guys really stood out that much. Uh, so oh, now we get into some of the entertaining awards. These are the ones you really care about, right? Uh, first, let's start with the floppy award for biggest disappointment. Uh, Floppy is
0: not a euphemism for anything
1: here, (laughs) may I add. No, not at all. I don't know what you could say. We have
0: have the
2: Scotty and we have the Floppy.
1: (laughs) The Mm -hmm. Floppy Award, the nominees for the inaugural Floppy Award. Juan Pablo Montoya.
0: For what, exactly? From Uh, championship
2: runner-up to last in his team, sixth place in the championship and unemployed. (laughs)
0: yeah it probably helps if we add some context to each nominee as we read them out just saying
1: no it's more fun that way <laughs> uh, oh fine <laughs> um well especially where well, you can add context to the next one the entire ferrari f1 team
0: the fire next
1: <laughs> the entire renault f1 team
0: uh, bigger dumpster
2: fire also next not, not, not <laughs> biggest dumpster fire but like you know their cars might as well have been coated in gold based on what their budget kind of is and they still could not do better than what ninth in
1: construction <laughs> <Nice. laughs> the championship they were a lowest rated team earlier on in the rundown weren't they yeah they, the they were lowest Ferrari. um jorge lorenzo
2: Sounds weird to add, but... Yeah, yeah. this is the weakest
1: le- title defense we've seen in quite
0: some time in GP. Yeah,
2: um, I think I said it off-air, but, you know, Rosberg looked at Jorge's title defense and was like, I'm not going to give mine a go now. <laughs> uh, here's one we can apply some contacts to. Danil Kvyat.
1: Oh. I feel a bit harsh nominating him in this one. Yeah, It's... <laughs> Daniel, we could probably give you a part. We'll just let you just you can go out go out the back it's door. No, one, no one It kind of wasn't his fault. Yeah. No. Thanks, Chris Horner. Um, <laughs> Kevin Magnuson. Oh dear God. <laughs> the Which internet's from- <laughs> most disappointing driver. <laughs> Why? Um, Marco you were Andretti
2: supposed to be the chosen one by the inter- by destiny. Reddit.
0: His name was Magnuson.
2: <laughs> yeah. You were the chosen one by Reddit. Um, Marco Andretti. Uh, disappointment to the family names. Ouch.
1: <laughs> Savage. That yeah, sounds man. like a Game of Thrones quote.
2: <laughs> and uh, final nomination,
1: Takuma Sato.
2: Not now, Sato! Um, sorry, what was that? <laughs> yeah, there was, there, was, there was never a moment where it was Sato's time this year. <laughs> <laughs> Pick no, through the bones no, of that just, lot, then. Uh,
0: for me... For
1: the inaugural floppy award.
0: For, for the floppy award, I mean... I think Lorenzo was a little bit of a harsh inclusion, just a little bit. Um, For me... I guess I have to kind of stay on brand and say Ferrari here, haven't I? Well, I mean, King's been
1: biased towards his boys so far, but But... I mean, this is the other way, Dre.
0: But but I'd be a hypocrite because I gave Renault a lower score on my overall list of season review teams than I gave Ferrari a five and Renault a four. So I really can't afford to nominate Ferrari in this instance. (laughs) So instead, I'm going to go out of left field and say Captain Snapple himself, Marco Andretti, for basically shit in the
1: bed entirely in front of his own dad's face this season oh. in indycar which is embarrassing <laughs> when you're a grown uh, yeah. man let's be honest and when the most notable part of your season is paul tracy throwing shade at you on commentary <laughs>
2: yes <laughs> like that you should be driving in an uber next year oh <laughs> no oh dear uh like King? I, I was i was gonna vote for Renault. Because I was assuming Dre was going to vote for Ferrari, but since he's voted for Marco, I'm also going to vote for Marco.
1: Hey, another unanimous hey. choice! <laughs> yes. So your unanimous choice. This this may be a tweet when I when I tweet who's won which award. This may be a tweet oh that I don't tag the winner in. Uh, um, you're a unanimous winner of the inaugural Floppy Award for biggest disappointment, Marco Andretti, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, well done. Yes. Here's your Here's Woo. your. Um, deflated balloon.
0: universal stand innovation in the room here for marco andretti (laughs) try better next year kid
1: he's not a kid he's 30 next year for christ's sake (laughs) i'm just slow clapping over here (laughs) so next right the next award is the the thanks for trying award otherwise known as the participation trophy Uh, and the nominees these are just the people who were just uh, blistering non-entities is the best way to describe yep, them super average yeah just not really shit the bed bad not really any good just just sort of existing and just, just being just being that that guy of like oh is he still in the series oh who's that oh it's that guy you know what I mean
0: yeah it's the he's league
1: guy basically <laughs> right and the nominees for this award are Rio Harrianto. except the, I mean most of Indonesia knew who he was but no one else Mm. Jack Oxworth, stateless himself. <laughs> um, this this may need some context applying. Pierre Gasly, yeah. yes,
0: for basically thanks for coming and winning out, winning the like the greatest like junior title out there in motorsport, and then fucking off to Japan.
2: Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know how you're supposed to be that threat to replace Daniel Kvyat. Um, you succeeded in being that threat and you won your championship and you can't participate in that championship anymore, but you're not replacing Kavia. We're so, we're so, so sorry.
1: Maybe next year. Um, uh, the next nominee, Tito Rabat. Uh, the guy who was so thanks for trying he didn't even get nominated for the category he was basically a shoe- in for which was rookie of the year not that he was a shoe in to win that just had so little nominees he probably should have been in there just to fill the field out he didn't even get nominated oh dear <laughs>
0: pretty much pretty um, much that's not, that's not Alex
2: Lin <sighs> uh he's still um, yeah. he's, he's,
0: he's still he's still in the league yeah when, when exactly. he finally
2: when he finally got his first gp2 win and claire went to the paddock and gave him a hug and it seemed like he was going to be the guy replacing Massa next year and nope. nope and then everyone realized that lance stroll's
1: dad imports ferraris into canada and that went out the window um uh next nominee uh and palmer Although uh, I think his savaging of Andre Harrison on Twitter may well discount him <laughs> in this award. That, but, but that was basically yeah. the one thing that everyone... Like, in between that and him blocking people on Twitter, that was about the only reason anyone noticed Julian Palmer this year.
0: I, I, I'm going to give you a Jody and Palmer-related insult on this one. Kiss
1: my feet. Ew. 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 Um, Ew. I'd rather not, to be honest. Um, Yoni Hernandez. Oh, God. He's still here? Exactly. Uh, and the final award... Sorry, Katie. Marcus Ericsson.
0: We we can't have Marcus Ericsson. Marcus Ericsson was actually good this year.
1: All right. We'll we'll strike him. And I'm going to strike Pierre Gasly as well, because...
0: Yes, that's kind of
1: harsh. He was... Um, That was a more literal interpretation of the thanks for coming award. But... I am going to give this award to... (coughs) Run, run me through the names one more time. Uh, the ones left now, Rio Haryanto, Jack Hawksworth, Tito Rabat, Alex Lynn, Jolly and and Yoni Hernandez.
0: I'm going to say Tito Rabat on this one, mostly because not only did he join the worst possible team to start your MotoGP career with, his teammate also accidentally but very accurately won a Grand Prix. If that doesn't say thanks for coming, Tito, <laughs> I don't know what does. So for me, I'm voting for Tito Rabat.
2: King? <laughs> uh... I'm gonna go vote for Tito too, just for the hilarity of he won MotoGP's Rookie of the Year this year by default. <laughs> he
1: was the and, only he, rookie. and he still wasn't nominated for our Rookie of the Year. Yes. Yeah, that kind of says, oh wait, he was a thing. Yeah. Okay, so hey, Tito Rabat, you are our unanimous um, winner of the inaugural. Thanks for trying award. Um, but
0: uh, but, uh, but clap, you win the participation trophy. Yeah, you
1: participation. Thanks for, for coming. And um, well. Uh, I think I think we've reached that point, folks. We've reached our most uh, prestigious award. No, it oh, is yeah. not Driver of the Year. It's the Golden oh. Cock of the Year. Yes. Now to explain this one, this this award went through several names. Uh, at some point, it it developed the working title of the Purple Dildo of the Year. Uh, but we decided to roll with Shout Golden Cock. Shout out to Cock. Saints Row 3. Yeah, <laughs> Saints Row 3 reference up in here. Uh, we decided to roll with Golden Cock because it was made famous by uh, Top Gear. Of course, they don't do it uh, now on the Grand Tour. So we decided to pick up the baton. What do you mean
0: we didn't call it, <laughs> we call it the Penetrator Award?
1: Because even we're call, still we on the air after the, the Shag Mary Kill segment. We don't want to push yeah. it again. Um, and uh, okay, hilariously, this has the most nominations of any category. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm should we run it down? Right, right. First nomination. Daniel Ricciardo's pit crew. Mainly for Monaco, let's be honest. Lest um, we forget. Yeah.
2: Max Verstappen. Just uh, just, it's, it's, just it's for just, being Yeah, it's just an honor for that everyone else got nominated. Yeah. Um Graham Rahal. three
1: guesses who nominated that one.
2: <laughs> uh, 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 it, it, it was King.
1: <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> no one believes that. Um Lewis Hamilton for consistent throwing of shade yes, and pulling the oldest excuse in the book of I was unlucky, honest, if cars were equal, I would be champ in it
2: or whatever. And he, he didn't even stop throwing shade once his teammate announces retirement. Yeah, he couldn't <laughs> even hold it in for when
1: his teammate announced him. He tried to identify it and then throwing a bit of shade years. to off. Oh, yeah, there you go. Valentino Rossi, for calling Mark Marquez an idiot on live TV. Yeah, and and just being Rossi at this point. Esteban Gutierrez for nearly punching his own team boss. <laughs> Nicky Lauder for being a bit of a unexpected troublemaker in the Mercedes camp. Like just as Toto Wolff smooth things over with the press, Nicky Lauder comes out with something like, "Oh, Lewis Hamilton had a fight with Rosberg in a s- sauna or something, wasn't it? There was, it was <laughs> no, something he, about swimming he, pool.
0: He, he trashed a hotel room in Baku after his car after he made a mistake and crashed a car in qualifying, forcing him to start from 10th.
1: Right, yeah, so there's that. That's why Nico Rosberg... Uh, Nico Rosberg? No, Nico Rosberg is not on this list. Uh, i tell you who is, though. <laughs> we were tempted to put, after on the day of recording, after his sparring with random people on Twitter, that he clearly searched. Uh, we were going to put Jamie Coley on here, but we're going to put all of Sky F1 in a blanket nomination here for consistently peddling false and tedious narratives about the F1 season and borderline destroying people's, like of Lewis Hamilton and F1 yes even the most biased and patriotic of British fans ended the year kind of not liking Hamilton Andrew Benson Impressive. of BBC F1 Oof. for <laughs> similar levels of hand caping but I guess he's got to uh, if Alonso's not going to be up there he's got to find something um, yep Bernie Eccleston for just being himself just, <laughs> just like much. whenever just something existing. really stupid needs to be said Hey Bernie, how are you doing? Let's stick a microphone in your face. Bernie, open your mouth. Yeah, basically. My <laughs> um, extension uh, for being dicks in terms of race management, various politicking, and being dicks to various YouTubers. FOM,
2: which by ex- which by extension is Bernie Ecclestone.
1: <laughs> okay, so yeah, maybe that can be grouped into one award. Uh, motorsport.com for buying up almost every piece of F1 media reporting and then having a massive conflict of interest with Zach Brown, their CEO, being in charge of McLaren. Oh, dear. Lit. Oh, Good dear. Good job. Nice one. Nice one. <laughs> I, I didn't um, realize that until now. <laughs> and two F1 teams to finish. Ferrari, just f- f- for an entire season worth of what the fuck are you doing strategy calls. And Sauber, mainly off the back of that crash in Monaco oh dear oh dear oh dear
2: so big lineup of nominees there guys what do you think oh uh, I, n- I narrowed down my short list of two i thought it was going to be obvious going in but i think i'm i'm stuck it says between... a lot that this is the most nominations <laughs> i'm stuck between max verstappen and sky f1 <laughs> Mm. <laughs> oh this is do, We do what, should clarify: Max Verstappen like, is nominated for
1: his attitude and just being him, not because of his driving talent. He did not, oh, yeah. not <gasps> oh, oh, yeah, do it yeah. well.
2: He's a spectacular he driver. He drives people
1: like a dick, <laughs> yeah, as well. <laughs> Like Kimi uh, Räikkönen uh, is just
0: not a go I'm, home like
1: poor yeah.
0: I'm, <laughs> I'm going to make this. I'm going to make this obvious. It's it's Sky Sports F1 for me and <laughs> and like I'm going to go off on a trade here for me. Like I, I I compulsively hate Sky Sports F1 so much so I bought Sky Sports for my entire house and made sure we don't get the HT channels because I don't want to watch Sky Sports F1's live coverage.
3: <laughs> but,
0: oh. <laughs> That, that should tell you what you need to know Ooh. right there. M- Martin Brundle is paid £500,000 a year to suck Max Verstappen's dick. That is, that is an honour that many people from Holland on Twitter could easily do for half the price, at least. <laughs> David Croft's continued employment, I, I, I find mind-boggling given the amount of errors and, and, and issues he has and the amount of general like, to be fair he's actually toned down the ham caping quite a bit this year but in exchange he's made 115,000 more mistakes during the live commentary <laughs> prat- that I find out. Yeah, you, like, like, you, Rachel Brooks was the worst interviewer oh in, the um, in the business this year the amount of incessant times she was trying to wind up Nico Rosberg for a soundbite and Nico Rosberg is by far the classiest and nicest dude in Formula One, and had to basically stomach a bunch of Rachel Brooks-related bullshit. It, it, like that annoyed me in no end entirely. Johnny Herbert is vanilla. Damon Hill bores me. Simon Lazenby puts me to sleep every time I watch Formula One to the point where I actually think watching. Simon on Lazenby mute. is
1: the default kind of. Oh, you've been around Sky He's Sports vanilla. quite a while.
0: If he was a sandwich, he would be plain cheese, no margarine, no butter. He'd be, oh, no be
2: low-fat spread. Oh, I thought he would just be yeah. like just two slices of bread. <laughs> just
0: <to> plain <laughs> bread. <Yeah. laughs> if he
2: was a no, 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 no,
0: I'll give him a little bit of juice. It's, it's 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 home brand spread. If like, okay. if,
2: um, what, was
1: the, oh, what was the name of the guy? Uh, Jake, Jake Humphrey? Yeah, Jake Humphrey. Yeah. If Jake Humphrey was Nutella, then Simon Laserby is just oh, fuck it, we can't, we've not got anything in that sandwich.
0: needs yeah. he, the <laughs> home brand spread, spread yeah. you home get from Tesco's for 11 feet. He is he is he is home brand as as the spread you buy for 11p. And Other brands overall, are available. Sky's coverage was the epitome of let's find 115 different ways to tie every possible story in the grid back to Lewis fucking Hamilton, and it's amazing because I I don't even mind Lewis Hamilton all that much when he keeps his fucking mouth shut. But no, Sky had to actively made Lewis Hamilton's profile more worse. In irritating than it was, and let's not forget the overblown reaction to the fucking Snapchat scandal in Japan. Oh, no, my. for me it is Sky F1, and if Sky F1 does not win this award, I am walking off this podcast right here and okay. now. Okay,
2: <laughs> with, 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 no pressure. <laughs> yeah, with Craft the Clock being all the time and. Dre's red. It's, <laughs> it's of the <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to vote for Sky. I'm going to have to vote for Sky. Right. Well, that is unanimous. I
1: thought that was where it was going to go. Personally, my <laughs> vote was probably going to be for Max Verstappen, but.
2: Yeah, I was going
1: to vote for Max Verstappen.
0: Because Sky <laughs> made Max Verstappen it, more irritating than <laughs> yeah, the actual. yeah. Was. Everything
1: comes back to Sky F1. That's why. I The catalyst I in all of can this was Sky. Well, <laughs> can I just say, aren't you applying for press credentials for the Autosport International show?
0: They don't go through Sky. Fuck them. Where most of these well, guys are going to be? You, David Cross? is he's there. they're going to be there. <laughs> I, I don't have to talk to him. Oh my god, you. Just give me a camera.
1: Give me a camera, and I will pay you like fifty pounds just to walk up to David Cross. Be like, hello, I'm Andre Harrison for the Motorsport One-on-One Podcast. You won our Golden Pock Award.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, you should, you should get. You should fabricate a trophy and just give it to someone. <laughs>
1: find the original golden <laughs> cock trophy somewhere from the BBC studios
0: they are, are you, have you guys been watching two episodes of The Last Leg where they gave Jeremy like when they gave Jeremy Hunt like a giant golden cock for dick of the year
1: <laughs> well <laughs> has anyone got um, oh shit what's he called uh, Alex Hill has anyone got Alex Hills phone number no <laughs> Adam
2: Hills I should say
1: Adam Hills moving
2: on My bad <laughs>
1: right so um, that's, uh, that's the juicy awards with. <laughs> juicy's probably the wrong word um Let's go for <clears throat> an ultimate war, shall we? Team of the year, serious faces back on here. Um, Mercedes F1, I mean, kind of obvious. Penske Racing in IndyCar, also kind of obvious. Prima Power Team for our feeder series cred, um, and
2: also winning every single championship they entered. Yes, they this year. Entered. This year they won the FIA European Formula League Championship. They won. Italian Formula 3, they won. German Formula 3 and in their rookie season, they won the GP2 team championship and their drivers finished 1 and 2 in the drivers' championship. So not bad. Not bad. Yes. Um
1: the next nomination, Force India. And if one of you two doesn't vote yeah. for them, I'm walking <laughs> off the set. This is the only fucking award that any of my boys are closely nominated (laughs) in. Oh dear, what a shame.
0: And the final Uh,
1: pick is... Well, to be fair, all you've had is Ferrari in the Golden Cock and Floppy Awards. The Golden Floppy Cock Awards, basically. And the final nomination for Team of the Year... You you make it sound so pleasurable. (laughs) There is nothing pleasurable about the word floppy. Um, And the final nomination for Team of the Year... Red Bull Racing. Mm. Your picks. Okay. Serious face is back on
0: I'm going to say Prima Really? <laughs> for yep. sheer dominance of the junior level And for being like becoming What's quickly become like the go-to team On the junior level I'm going to be a bit hipster and say Prima to, So I can basically announce myself As this new pretentious hipster F1 analysis by giving, We're going for the juniors
1: yeah. Well I mean after that pipe bomb against Sky F1 <laughs> That's kind of where we're at now <laughs>
2: King? Yeah, King, yeah obviously prima power team i'm the one who nominated them in the first place but
1: force well, india this was you your award damn it <laughs>
2: <laughs> not anymore yeah you, you just can't beat that you're like mercedes won damn one championship your serious, hipsterness yeah mercedes um, no, won one championship they won four
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's not there's not really any arguing that to be fair prima not, Power Team well-deserved winners then of team of the year a team that i com- i kind of forgot about before we were yeah. doing the nominations, then yeah. I was reminded of them. Yeah, you can tell which one of us doesn't follow the Feeder series quite as much, but very, really well-deserved, you got to say. And finally. Uh-huh. Drumroll. Drumroll. Drumroll, please. The Racer of the Year. And that name's important. The nominations are... Nico Rosberg. <clears throat> Simon Pagino. God, Kingston's going to be insufferable <laughs> off of this. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gave you that idea? Um, Lewis Hamilton, boo. Daniel, boo. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Ricciardo, Fabio, Joseph chewing. Newgarden, and Mark Marquez. Now that's why I put racer of the year, not just driver of the year. This encompasses drivers and riders. So this one's a bit well, but well, this is always going to be the toughest one. So I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on this one.
2: Uh, it's so hard because I want to give it to Rosberg because it's the only time he'll ever be able to win this award go on go all the way with your bias for fuck's Uh, for fuck's sake my heart wants Rosberg my head kind of wants Carlos Sainz Jr even though he's not nominated here
1: of course he would Carlos Sainz Jr is the wild card are
2: you you all in on this Carlos Sainz Jr yeah I'm I'm legit voting for Carlos Sainz Jr okay (laughs) I'm giving up Nico's one and only chance to win our racer of the year award for Carlos Sainz Jr
0: you've won
1: enough today
2: (laughs) (laughs) your boys won enough like he's
0: the guy that, like, he, like right now he is James Cameron. The year Titanic came out, he's just holding his horde of Oscars in his arms right now. He's, he's dropped, he's dropped a couple on the way I forward forward to, to, to his 11th. I,
1: I look forward to driving the skip round to Nico's house, full of all these trophies.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, for me, I'm gonna have to say Mark Marquez. I think Mark Marquez was absolutely insane in MotoGP this year too. Um, given that the team he was riding for in Repsol Honda had zero confidence in their bike going into the start of the year. The morale in the camp was bitterly low and they didn't think this was going to be possible um, for, for Marquez to win five races on it to dominate and win the championship um, with three rounds to spare, taking advantage of other people's errors and just. Basically, seeing a new and improved Marc Marquez, one that had learnt when to take the points and when not to, and just still showing phenomenal racecraft and an ability, I have to go with Marc Marquez. I think that was one of the most impressive MotoGP seasons I have ever seen. Let alone, um, you know, just just in terms of just sheer overall ability, that was the most impressive MotoGP championship. One of the most impressive motorsport championships I think I have ever seen. So for me asked to be Martin Marquez. So,
2: no matter what, Spain's taking this trophy home. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. S- Spain um, again. Hmm, no pressure, then.
1: I have to decide the biggest, most lustrous vote of the year. Uh, at least I didn't yep. have to decide the golden cock. <laughs> um, well, now, you already know you, you won't now. I mean, since when do I work for Sky? Um, I have standards. Uh, so like King makes a, a pretty compelling point for Carlos Sainz absolutely like absolutely a, a pretty good one but I'm not going to lie to you I think you have to go with champion's advantage here yeah and after Dre's promo just then it was all true like of all of the champion sh- champions we have here nominated Rosberg's title win was emotional and awesome Pagino's was, was a masterclass I think I'm going to have to give it to Mark Marquez though yep he is the winner uh, of our inaugural race of the year. Racer of the year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Ooh. he'll probably get up on stage now, like, grinning massively, like, hey, I'm, I'm always smiling. And then Zara, somewhere in the back, will faint.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. Should just. She'll try and pretend like she hasn't passed out because she's classy like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then she's absolutely dying of just um, fang- fangalism at this point. Um, and that will just about do it for the Motorsport 101 right, time Awards. Time for
1: the after party. Mine's a Jack Daniels and coke. Let's go. <sighs>
0: <laughs> I have a few words to close out obviously this is just um, the last episode not only obviously for, for this season but for this year we're probably not going to have a, a, an episode in this style of format again for 2016 and it's kind of like the end of season 2 so to speak of, of Motorsport 101 in that sense because the. You know basically johnson joining in the reboot starting at, that was episode 26 at the start of this calendar year was was our first one and i just want to take a few, a few time out to say to say thank you all so much for your support in 2016 it's been one of the best years of my life from a professional and from a personal standpoint and it's been incredible and you know your are passion for in, in, for the podcast and like what we don't have any of this up on this show. We do this because we genuinely love talking motorsport together between the three of us. Even if I want to kill Johnson on several occasions, we do this because we love it. And and it's been a phenomenal year. I mean, nearly 25,000 plays on SoundCloud alone since we first started. And, um, nearly 100,000 views on YouTube, over 1,200 subscribers on there. That's just some of the incredible numbers we've pulled off in just our in just first year. And we're going to try very, very hard. Um, to, to 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 try and build upon that in 2017, um, we have a lot of plans in the back, and um, I can't I can't wait to tell you more about that. It will it will happen very very soon. I promise. This is this is not going to be the last episode f- until March. Like I said, we have a bunch of specials planned, um, Google Hangouts as well, inevitable extra videos and whatnot, video blogs, and um, obviously there'll be more as stuff about Rosberg's replacement comes out in 2017. There's to be more content when that's concerned, so you got a lot to look forward to. I promise you that. Just take it from me. But I just want to say as well some special thanks as well. Um, obviously to Adam and Ryan. Like there is no show without these two. I rag on Johnson a lot because he because he, he <laughs> because he can be a git sometimes. But I'm he's frustrating. A phenomenal...
1: I know that I get frustrated <laughs> with myself. So God knows what other people do. <laughs> I-,
0: I wanted to strangle you last week after the videos didn't get edited. <laughs> I was like he doesn't send the videos on I'm going to kill him. I know where he lives. No, but um but I made it through Johnson's... the year
1: unkilled so hey I must be doing something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, like, your editing ability is the only reason you're still alive at this <laughs> point. It's like, in in the words of Brick Top from Snatch, you're not very much good to me alive, are you, Turkish? Um, <laughs> but... Um, Johnson's done a phenomenal job editing. Ryan King, he's, he's, he's my brother from Another Mother. He's my American cousin. And, he, again, he's been here from the very, very start. And, like again, like, there's no show without him. And I always feel a bit more uncomfortable doing a show without him because he's just that invaluable <laughs> to this show. So... Mm. Um, so thanks to Ryan as always um, he, he's he's phenomenal special thanks to Connor Pearson aka Nor the Dragon who's been editing our videos for us Emily the Silver that's been doing that for us as well um, she might be doing that again now because she actually managed to get a PC fixed hurrah um, which would be fantastic That'd so be thanks to them cat, right? uh, weapons great cat on Twitter follow her as well absolutely lovely girl thank you so much to Emily on that's concerned thanks to all our guests over the course of 2016 um, I mean, RJ O'Connell has RJ been O'Connell, phenomenal
1: Katie Fair um,
0: and uh, Sarah fair, Connors. Sarah, Sarah Connors, yeah. Matt Carnero and Chris Cook as well from MSTF draft, One yeah, and Good Productions One. That's really Lewis Sudderby from Mike Live as well. Um, You're going to be I, hearing
1: a lot more from. Shh. Yeah,
0: maybe just just a little bit. Just just throwing that out there because he wants um, to come
1: on and talk more F one. Mm,
0: yeah, of course. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, so yeah, special thanks to all. I think that's everybody for guests we had on this year. I think running through my head, I believe that is. Yeah, so if I missed
1: yeah, no, that's about right. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so two thousands. Um,
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, special thanks to all of those guys. The draft was a phenomenal episode as well. One of our one of some of my most listened to episodes were over five hundred and sixty plays on that one as well, which was amazing so thanks to everybody oh thanks to all our guests thanks to zara Daniela that did all that's done 90 percent of the artwork for all the episodes you see on soundcloud that, that's all come from her she's she's a genius she's so funny she's brilliant with photoshop mega talented and she's been phenomenal she's a great writer check her out on badger gp as well um and on motor matters as well with david emmett there she does phenomenal work as a journalist as well um so yeah, thanks to thanks to Cesara as well, and thanks to everybody that's been involved in the podcast in 2016. It's been a phenomenal experience, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And especially thanks to all our Patreon backers as well that have backed us and supported us on Twitter, guys like Jake, um, Jack Hale. I can't remember. Scott Woodwiss is another one as well. Hardener. Um, uh, yep, yeah, as well. Thank you all. To, I know you, you guys know who you are, but you Josh still as well. You guys are phenomenal, and thank you for supporting us and, and basically allowing us to to do this platform without ever having to have any difficult conversations about money (laughs) because nobody wants to do that really um but you've given us the platform we can do this without having to worry about money and that is a a blessing beyond anything you would understand so thank you all so much thanks to my family as well for putting up with me being a fucking loud mouth almost every week for the last 50 odd weeks nearly (laughs) since we started this podcast as well because i know that you know like i know his parents love me but i know i've I've put them (laughs) through the ringer by doing this show um i'm like 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 jay jay and dad bomber sports i'm sorry (laughs) okay if if you're listening i apologize sincerely for taking so much of your son's time he's a very busy man i know (laughs) um but again and of course one last thank you to all you listeners out there that have been so phenomenal. They've supported us all the way. And trust me, I will reciprocate your greatness in 2017 to the best of my ability. So thank you all so much for that. We'll be back very, very soon. You know where to find us. And stay tuned on our social media outlets. Trust me, there is some really cool shit coming. But until then, I've been Andre Harrison. He's been Adam Johnson and of course thanks to Ryan King in the background have a wonderful Christmas as well enjoy the holiday season and um, until next time whenever that may be sayonara
2: bye
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: and we're
2: fucking out of here It, mate. I cannot you. you are the world champion!